Welcome, welcome. This is the Dog and Dust Podcast. I'm Big Reef. We're back for another episode. Episode uh, nine, I believe. No, pardon me. Episode eight. I apologize. I'm messing up on my own episode. <laughs> uh, my right-hand man, my partner in crime. Introduce yourself, good brother. What's up, people? It's your boy, Ra. I went, I'm going to need you to get our episodes right, all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Episode yeah, eight. Yeah. Let's not jump the gun. We're going to yeah, get to nine. We're going to get to nine. If we ever have an episode or, or uh, what they call those, like, bloopers, then we can go through <laughs> all of them, and then that way we can just combine. We'll probably have, like, a two-hour blooper reel. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for real. Stuff that we've done, and that our producer doesn't edit because she likes to be funny. You know what I'm saying? Making us, uh, mostly me, making me look bad with the bloopers between the sound bites and all like that. But, uh... What's going on, good brother? This is the second to last week in uh, uh, August. You know what I'm saying? It's people starting to get that fever where it's back to school. Uh, yeah, man, I'm starting to feel like summer is like is like about to be over because you know I hate summer, but the weather is changing. The heat wave is going. I can get back outside, start running again. Well, I, I actually ran once this week, so I'm not gonna hit my ten miles like I wanted to because tomorrow's Friday, and I know I'm not running in the morning because I'm back in full swing with work. So, but you know. Well, listen. You know, the, um, and you hit it on the head. The weather started to change. I went out today, and I felt like a cool breeze. And I, I actually, even yesterday, I was like, ooh, it's a little fall yeah. out here. So it's like, ooh, but it doesn't have that, like I said, that end of the summer feel, you know, to a mm. certain extent because, you know, we, 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 we talked about last week, of course, the anticipation of, uh, you know, COVID, or not anticipation of COVID, but with COVID and anticipation of schools, mm. the feel is totally different than in years past, you know what I'm saying? But... You know, we still here for it, man. We still here for it. You know, we 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 thriving and all like that. How do you feel about going back to school? Ain't going back. <laughs> well, I mean, I know. Well, we doing the virtual thing, so right, right. Um, right, right. you know, honestly, I, I I'm in the middle because part of me is like I'm tired of sitting in the house. Part of me is like um, the kids do need to stay home. Right. Unfortunately, I do have the option to go in to work a couple days a week just to take care of some. Um, you know, some paper and um, duties and things like that. Um, you know, I, I don't have any qualms. I went I went the last two days and I was, you know, the building was empty. There was a couple people there, you know, working and doing their thing or whatever. But I definitely think keeping these kids at home till this thing is figured out and it's under under control um, is, is actually the best bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I definitely agree. I think we all agree even with the episode that we tackled last week as far as difficult decisions, um, school, life, and COVID-19 that's out now on all platforms. We definitely touched upon some, some things. And you know what, though? Oh, I, and we, we have a tendency to do this on our shows. We always have people that are like-minded like us. But I, in hindsight, I always say I wish we had, um, and I know one time you said it to me before when we did, um, I believe, episode um, five when we did the police officers, I want somebody on the other side of the fence. So going yeah. forward, we got to start getting some controversial people. I want to find some some Trumpsters and some you know some uh, uh, Armstrong Thurmans and uh, 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 some the, the the people like J.C. Watts. I want to find some people on the other side of the aisle um, mm. with with I guess we call them right wingers. I want to find yeah. those types of people going forward, so that way we can have a little bit of a more of a detailed and real raw relevant discussion, as we always like to say on the Doc and Dust podcast. But uh. Let's give a quick recap. Now, I just want to say two things real quick, and I know you like to go in. Two things. Um, and we forgot to do it last week. Of course, rest in peace to George Floyd. Rest in peace to young, young mentee. 
but and I don't mean to be light of this, but rest in peace to Ned DeWino, the brother that played Ned DeWino and uh, Uncle uh, uh, Winston, no, what was his name? Uncle Winston on uh, Sanford and Son. Sanford and Son, yeah. Yeah, he passed away last week. He was 91 years old. I love that episode from Good Times when Ned DeWino was in there. He was like comatose and he was smiling. And then his wife, she said, yeah. yeah, I know Ned. They was like, how you know that? That's been my husband for eight years. And he snapped out of it. It was like, I don't want to go. And she was like, come on, Dad. My mama's still living with me. The house is still the same. So I love that episode. So rest in peace to the, to the um. But you. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, finish your thought. No, I was going to say rest in peace to the brother. You know what I'm saying? I made that uh, made, you know, black te television memorable to probably yeah. a lot of us during that era. Yeah. And, I'm, and Good Times is one of my favorite shows. And a, a funny episode before the actor actually came on the show, the character was created. And oh. JJ had had painted a picture of Ned DeWano as Black Jesus. Really? And they had all the good luck. I think it was probably like the fourth episode or something like that, uh, the first season. But they had all this good luck on this particular day, and it was blaming right. on Black Jesus. Black yeah, that Jesus, episode yeah, was so yeah, loud. Yeah. I remember, because <laughs> I think James got like a raise, or he had some extra money. And he yeah. put it on the wall, and he was like, and hey, we be getting all this good. And Florida, you know, Florida, she was like, that's <laughs> blasphemous, the Lord. And Florida, and honestly, Florida remind me, whenever I think of my Nana at a young age, I mm. always think of Florida Evans, uh, also known as the actress Esther Roll, because right. my Nana was a very God-fearing woman. The mm. Lord stayed in their house. They lived in the projects in North New Jersey, Hayes Homes. So whenever I thought of Florida or think of Florida Evans, Evans sometimes I picture her, I think of my mm. Nana, rest in peace. But I do remember that episode of, uh, of, uh, of uh, the Black Jesus episode. So I definitely remember that. The other thing I got, I'm going to keep it real quick because the game is on. So if you see me panning down, I'm looking at the Blazers and the Lakers. The NBA playoffs <laughs> is rocking. The Lakers ain't looking too good. They're looking real shabby right now. Yeah. Uh, Portland, Dame, Dame Dollar, Dame Time, whatever you want to say, is killing these dudes. I'm listen for a long time. I know you're Knicks, but for a long time, I hated Carmelo Anthony. Yo, you can't not say that publicly, man. Don't tell nobody. I'm no, 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 not because of the player, <laughs> but because I felt as though he was selfish because he took all that money away from the Knicks and they uh, could build around him. And they had some yeah. years, but I always hate him. I started liking him a little bit when he went to OKC because I see he wasn't selfish. And Houston, he got railroaded. They dirt him in Houston, but now in mm. Portland, I'm like, all right. I got respect for, but it's, it's three players that I can't stand watching well, in all sports. It used to be Carmelo. He's all right. He like, I'm like 60-40 now. Andre right. Iguodala. Oh, uh, yeah. I'm with you on that one. Iguodala. Yeah. Um, I, I, to be honest with you, you might be like, what? I hate Chris Paul. I think he corny. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you know, he can play, but, but, but uh, uh, um, I, I, I think he's, uh, he's, he's definitely corny. And Clay Thompson. I hate Clay Thompson. He think he's oh, Clay is my man, man. I don't like Golden State, but I, I mess with Clay, man. He can play, but he be trying to. I seen it a few times. He trying to act like he's tough. I'm like, man, you ain't tough. Go ahead, man. But you know, what I'm saying, I just hey, man, Clay is all right for uh, team light skin. You know, I ain't, I ain't down with the light skin, but you know, uh, Clay is all right for team light skin. I, I messes with him. I, I kind of for a while I thought um, you had to be light skin to get on the Golden State Warriors because you know they had that whole thing going on for a minute. Well, you know, they, well, tonight they just got the number two draft pick. By the time this comes out, it'll be, you know, they'll, they'll, mm -hmm. probably, they'll probably make a team light skin yeah. again if they pick LaMelo Ball, LaVar, LaVar uh, Ball's son, and uh, uh, Lonzo yeah. Ball, little brother. So they might be rocking. Yeah. And, and we'll honestly, see. Yeah, yeah, exactly. We'll see because they wasn't that bad. Knicks ain't getting nothing, that's for sure. 
So I don't no, even care Knicks, no more. The Knicks, the, they, it's like you, what, what they call that, an implosion from the ground up yeah. or explosion, whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. from the ownership all the way up, man. Like this, I think they said the Knicks are worth, what, $3 billion? And I'm not saying it's easy money. Maybe even four. Right. You could get a group. You could mm-hmm. get maybe Hove. You could maybe get Nas, maybe Steve Stout, Puff. If you want to go that route, you maybe Oprah could buy into it. You could get somebody to buy the Knicks and make the Knicks relevant again with the proper leadership. Look what the Clippers did. Obama bought the Clippers. You right. know what I'm saying? And the Clippers are relevant again. You know what I'm saying? Portland, uh, yeah. Paul Allen, rest in peace, bought the Blazers. So, you know, it is what it is. But uh, I'm excited about this episode, man. I'm excited about this I, episode. This is our yeah. um, eighth episode, Bars and Books. You know what I'm yeah. saying? You, you, I can see you got the, uh, the the second greatest of all time. You know what I'm saying? About your shirt. You know what I'm saying? Well, yeah. I'm in my top five, the third greatest. But you mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? we'll have that discussion a little bit later on. You know what I'm saying? Well, Let me ask you a question real quick. Okay. Since, since, and it's kind of in line with the topic. It came out this week, early this week, that um, they finally charged somebody with Jam Master J's murder. Yeah. And I didn't – so when he when he first got killed, something told me, one, that he probably what, – what, what I thought it was it was wrong, what, what happened to him. But there was a part of me that was like, something tells me that he had some – something foul going on in this, like he was doing some dirt. So I read something that said that he was caught up in some type of uh, drug deal. Did you read about that? I've heard that throughout the years. Um, Uh Just quick background. Jay was all, they, you know, rest in peace, of course, but they said that he was always in the streets. It was, that was why run DMC as far as run and DMC never caught any static Mm. because of Jay's protection. Like Jay was always had a foot in the streets. Um, Mm -hmm. So I'll, I'll say that and I'll, you go from there. Well, I was hoping that it wasn't so because I mean he's like he's a dude I always had a, a, a high respect for. We come from an era of hip hop right. where um, I'm I'm not saying it was perfect, um, but we had a lot of role models in hip hop. Hip right. hop actually stood for something, and Jay was always one of them dudes that I looked like that I looked at like you know he's a stand up guy. Right. Um, always cool. Even if he it's always cool, right? Even if he was doing dirt, right. it wasn't public. It was just like hearsay or whatever. So when I read that, it kind of like hurt my feelings a little bit because I was like, damn, like, like he was supposed to be that one of them dudes that wasn't supposed to get out of like that. I don't mean, I can't say that is true because, you know, we don't know till we know. But right. just that somebody put that blemish there and there's a, a chance that it can be true. It kind of like, you know, it don't sit right with me, sir. Well, Not to say that the man deserved to die either, so. Right. Two things I'll say, and going back based on what you said, of course the story came out that he was caught up in drug trade. Uh, he was had caught, he had bought up to ten kilos or was off consignment, whatever the case may be, and then he had maybe had a change of heart. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened. We don't know what happened. So we went there, but it was a, it's always been the stories with connections with Fifty. Not saying that Fifty didn't have anything do anything to him, but that whole era, it was a lot of different things that went down. A lot of people got caught up in things. A lot of people, you know, got hurt. A lot of, some people died, of course, unfortunately, Jam Master J. But the story has always been, you know. It was always why wasn't his murder? Why was his murder unsolved? Same, similar to Biggie, same, similar to right. Pop. His murder, it was like it wasn't like you said something that was known. The only thing that I can say mm-hmm. is that I hope that we as fans, media, and hip hop mm-hmm. enthusiasts, we don't need to taint his legacy um, based upon something right. that happened almost ten plus years ago. 
whatever happened, mm -hmm. only him and his Lord may know. And I don't want to sound like, you know, preachy and all like that. But I will mm -hmm. say that at the end of the day, he was a pioneer and an icon in hip hop music. Yes, Definitely. it stopped me that the way it came out. Um, and I know you shared it with me and I kind of read it briefly. And like I said, I remember hearing stories, but at the end of the day, you know what I'm saying? His family still got it. We don't want to bring up old wounds. You know, his family got to go through all of this again. This is right. that, and oh, he did this and nah, like this, let it be. And honestly, I believe Run DMC has stopped performing at one point in time because Jay wasn't around, you know what I'm saying? As they mm -hmm. should, but I think they started doing like little dates prior to COVID, of course, but you know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, it's just an unfortunate thing. I also heard that uh, one of the dudes, I think their names was uh, Ronald Washington and somebody, Jordan, uh -huh. had some ties to Tupac's death. I think it was the dude, Ronald Washington. Yeah. So um, it was one of the first articles that came out really? when they had the um, the breaking news three days ago. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was saying that um, somehow he was connected to Tupac's murder. Uh, they just mentioned it real quick. Like it didn't go into any details like that. So I'm I'm wow, I'm going to keep paying attention to this story because I want to yeah. see if anything significant come you know comes out whatever. Because somebody know who killed Tupac. Yo. Yeah, yeah. And that, but you know the funny thing is like you know Tupac passed in '96, September of '96, right after the Mike Tyson fight. And right. I, I mean I could I mean you know like I said I, I didn't read it I didn't follow up on it. But the um, the fact that there could possibly be some connection, you know, East Coast, West Coast, that type of thing. But mm. like I said, you know, that that whole world, when you dip in and dab in that world, you know what I'm saying, mm -hmm. six degrees of separation. It's like they say, you know, we always say in life it's a small world. You know somebody, I know somebody, you know what I'm saying, or whatever the case may be, have a mutual type of thing. But hopefully, like I said, at the end of the day, it'll come out, he'll get some, um, his family will receive justice for his murder, but I hope they don't put mm. any injustice or, uh, um, you know, uh, smear his name, you know what I'm saying? So yeah, 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 yeah. You know, it, it's 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 like that or whatever case may be. But you know what I'm saying? Like I said, you know, we we talking about uh, on today's episode, we we talk about bars and books, and we're gonna be talking about you know different types of things. Um, mm -hmm. One of the things that I know, I mean, the culture, um, the culture is totally different than you know it was 20 years ago, as it should be, as it should mm -hmm. be. I think sometimes we you know we get caught up in being an old man in the room, um, mm -hmm. and, and and you know, like oh you know and this and that and when I I remember this and I remember that and this music you know what I'm saying is this and that yeah. you know today's music. One of the things that I'll say this is just me personally, when it comes to today's music, and some of it I like, some of it is like you know whatever. It's, I mean you know it's it's not necessarily my full cup of tea. But I will give it a listen mm. just to see what it is. So yeah. I can also be relevant because we got we deal with young people. We have young children. Um, right. But also, I mean, you know, it's their own little wave. Like, you know, they got the dances and they got this and they got that. Mm. I mean, I think a lot of it is just, you know, uh, uh, antics. You know what I'm saying? Mm. Um, and they make money quick. They make money quicker yeah. than, than a lot of the artists from our era. But I think the one thing right. I hope that doesn't, doesn't change um, as far as the music is the um, creativity, you know what I'm saying? Right, right. I mean, there's a few, there's a few artists out there. So I mean, we'll probably end up talking about this later, but there's a few artists out there that I can actually get with or listen to a little bit just because of what they talk about. Now they don't, they don't remind me of anything that I came up on. But um, like you said, you know, you get, you try to listen to some stuff to stay relevant. But there's like a Every now and then, there'll be an artist. I'll be like, okay, I can listen to one person. 
that I listen to now is this dude. Uh, his name is Rod Wave. He's from uh, from Florida. Um, so my daughter, my daughter likes him a lot. So you know, when she found out that I was listening, to him, what you doing listening to Rod Wave? I'm so, like, you know, what is he? What is he? What is he? Uh, he's a he's an MC or he's an R and B or what? He so you know they're doing that merge now where a lot of these so called rappers are singing now. Yeah. So yeah. and I actually I, I saw an interview with uh what's the Wave. Bobby Valentino did a did an interview Valentino. the other day. Yeah, and he was saying that Blackberry in my lasses. That <laughs> exactly. Bobby Valentino. That Bobby Valentino. Okay. So that uh the I think it was um a Vlad TV interview and he asked him you know uh, what he thought about hip hop today and he was like honestly hip hop. Because of the way, and I and I don't call today's music hip hop, because most of these artists to me don't fall in that in that guy in the, under the guidelines of hip hop. But anyway, um, he was saying like how a lot of them sing when they're rap. So he was like, you know, R and B is almost non-existent. Well, today's R and B is almost non-existent because of the merge between modern rap and R and B, and a lot of these do singing. But anyway, to answer your question, Rod Wave is like a dude. You know who Kevin Gates is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Kevin. Gates. Okay, so yeah, he's from that same part of well, close. He's I think Kevin Gates is from Petersburg. Rod Wave is some like the next town over, something like that. But they have similar styles. I think Rod Wave might have a little bit more talent uh -huh. than uh than Kevin Gates. But also, what he talks about, he Wait, talks about like his Kevin Gates from Florida. Yeah, I never knew. Yeah. That. I thought he's from Louisiana. Okay, all right. No, he's from Florida. Okay. Um, so he talks a lot about his experience and the stuff that he went through in life. And that's the way he tells his story. It allows me to listen to it. It's just not like he's just rattling off stuff just to, you know, to rattle it off or whatever. So, I mean, I could probably count on one or two hands the last 20 years, the number of people from our kids' generation that I actually, right. you know, listen to. So, right. you know, it's, it's different. Well, I would say, I would say, and, and for this era, that, you know, that uh, I say guys that's more recent, I would probably say within the probably five or six years, I would probably say like uh, Dave East, uh, Griselda. You get with Dave East. I like Dave East. Only thing I wish, uh, and, and I, I like his mixtape stuff. So, exactly, yeah. Um, Forbes List. I like Paranoia. I like, you know, uh, um, I like certain songs like Keisha 1 and 2. I like a few joints that, of course, the one he did with Nas Forbes, Leslie did a song with uh, Styles and Jada. So I like certain songs. I like, uh, like say, certain mixtapes. He did drop Karma 3. I didn't, I haven't listened to it all the way through. I was actually mm -hmm. listening to it earlier, um, and I'll probably listen to it tomorrow while I'm working out. Um, I like Conway Griselda, the whole Griselda team, Conway the Machine, uh, Benny the Butcher, West Side Gun. I like those guys, certain dudes mm -hmm. from the era. But I like this young boy. I like this one young boy, man. I'm going to cue it up. I like this dude, 42 Doug. Now, 42 Doug is from Detroit. And mm. I'm going to tell you how I found out about 42 Doug. Um, 42 Doug, he uh, came up with this song. I'm trying to see if I can find it because I got it on my playlist. I got it on my playlist when I work out. But 42 I got somebody Doug, else for you, too, after you, after you right. cue that up. 42 Doug is boy. I like this shit, yo. Hold on. Let me see if I can find this shit. Now, you usually send me stuff. Low-key stuff that, that ain't, you know, that don't be mainstream. You, you didn't tell me about this one. The last nah. person you told me about was the boy, uh, what's his name, Corbin or Corbain or something like that? YB Corbin? Oh, oh yeah, y, uh, YB, uh, yeah, Corbin, um, YBN Corbin, something like that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah. tight. I like him. Yeah, I think, um, but you know what? Here's the thing. I call him, I call him off the humbug um, or whatever, uh, 
just I think off of like you know uh, you know Instagram, social media, that type mm. of thing, and uh, or whatever. But yeah, let me see. Okay, here we go. Now, he got your daughter might like this. They probably listen to this. Right, so real quick, let me just get no, quick back. Like that. So I heard this. I heard this one day. I was uh, I follow um, Wallow two six seven on on Instagram. Um, mm. Him and uh, his cousin Gilly the kid uh, following him too on uh, Instagram. They was riding in the car. He played this, and I was like, "Yo, I like that shit." And then I I was searching and searching and searching. And I'll play this when I when I'm working out. Either like if I'm working out in the group, like usually like on Fridays, I'll play like up the yo. I love yo, man. This is my shit, yo. This one. And the kids be playing this like when they be having them outdoor parties, my boys be going crazy. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'm I'm disappointed that you like this. I don't know what the hell you think. Stop, stop, stop! Please stop! Please stop! <laughs> I don't I don't know what he's saying, and I don't know what you said. I don't know what he's saying either. But yo, you know that yo, I'm telling yo. Listen, I'm, I'm gonna say this: when you when you go back, um, once you know we kind of get some clarity on this whole COVID thing, when mm. you go back to class, right? Mm. You go back to uh, see so when you go back to school and go back to class. Play this for your students mm. and watch they jump out their seats. They were like, oh, Turk, you know this? They're going to be going crazy, yo. I'm telling you. Yo, yeah, that's okay. my shit, man. That's my shit. But yeah, it's so the person, that. the person I wanted to ask you about, do you know who Logic is? I know Logic. He did a song, uh, I think, uh, 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 what's they called it? A Dedication to Wu Tang, I think. He did a song. Yes, Wu Tang Forever, which is probably yeah. my favorite track by him. That okay. was on the Young Sinatra 4 album. And he he actually just retired. You know how MCs they be like, I'm gonna retire, and they come back out. Yeah. His his he so he just dropped the album, No Pressure, which is a good album. But that Young Sinatra Four, that whole album is ridiculous. And that Wu Tang Forever, the oh, beat he had he had uh, Ghostface was on there. I think Method Man was on there, and um, yeah. Somebody else was on it. That joint is banging. I think you know I I I may even have that on my on one of my playlists um, mm. or whatever the case may be. And and the funny thing I think like I said I catch I mean my playlist is all really like ninety stuff and, and mm. things of that nature, um, you know or whatever. But I caught um, I caught the uh, I I knew about Logic when the whole um, when it was kind of similar to the whole like Matt Miller wave and then it mm -hmm. was Logic and then it was Mac um, or whatever the case may be. And I think it was like, a, you know, recipes to Mac Miller, but that whole wave had came about um, or whatever. So I knew about him. I really didn't know about him until that whole, um, like you said, that whole Wu-Tang thing came out or whatever. And then I uh, caught on to him or whatever. And I still don't know a lot about him per se, but I know he does have, you know what I'm saying, uh, 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 um, you know, a certain following and the whole nine and, you know, all that type yeah. of stuff or whatever the case I be. found out about him from, so he did the um, the hotline song for the, the suicide hotline. So I heard that song on the radio. I didn't know that was him. I uh -huh. found out later on. But then he had a documentary on, um, it might have been on Netflix. I can't remember. So I watched the documentary. I was like, damn, this dude got some bars or whatever. So then I looked up his music. I kid you not, I liked everything he came out with. Word. Like, like when I say when I say he's a he's like a, a dope lyricist for this generation, yeah, I put him up there with like J. Cole, 
Kendrick Lamar. Like he's nice. He's nice. He's nice like that. Like real hip hop. Real hip hop. Like he's yeah. like real hip hop. He got like he talk about stuff. Oh yeah. yeah. All right. So here we go. This is the one I, I found it. This is what you talk about. Right here. Yeah. Listen to the beat. The beat is crazy. I remember hearing this. Yeah, I do remember hearing this. I love listening to the joint in the gym. All right, man, you about to get me on focus. <laughs> I said, you about to get me on focus, man. I'm like about to go, start zoning out. Well, I mean, this is what this is what we call bars and books. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we, we, we get to the bars before we get to the books. But, you know, we have our... Um, our first guest, you know what I'm saying? Um, we've had the, I've had the luxury of knowing this young man since almost 1994. Um, I could definitely consider him a near and dear friend, but before, um, I should say before we get into that, I consider him a definitely near and dear friend. One of the first dudes I met at William Patterson College back then before I became university. I remember, um, I think it was, um, and, and I don't know how your dorms were, but mm. I would dorm, we lived, uh, we lived on the first floor and we, I had to walk by his room. I think it might have been like a Thursday night. Uh, and I don't know if y'all did it when you was at Lincoln, of course, the first black HBCU. Oh, we, I got to talk to you about that, too. I got to an argument uh -oh. about, about that the other day. But I was walking by my man's room, and they was mm -hmm. listening to this, uh, this, I think it was R.A. the Rugged Man, every record label. He probably, he might not even remember this. But I was walking by, or he was playing something. I said, like, yo, can I get a tape of that? He was like, yeah. But, um... They used to call him, or he had on his door something, something, Lord. I think uh, his roommate was, uh, was his roommate was Rocco or something, I can't remember. I walked by his door, was like, yo, let me get a tape or whatever. There was a bunch of dudes in there, we talked or whatever. And then uh, every week he would give me music. Like he would like, we would, he would like tape something for me. I was like, I was like, be like asking for a favor. Hence, I got the mm -hmm. word Freddie Favors from him, right? So that's a whole mm -hmm. other thing. But I say that to say, uh, good, 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 good dude. Um, we like I said, we transitioned from college into education. I think a, a lot of my friends, I was like one of the first people to get in education. But he had uh, he started working with young people, younger people than what we worked with, and he just mm. fell in love with it. So um, recently, he just wrote a, a a children's book called Max: The Magnificent Magnet. I hope I'm saying that correctly. He established his own publishing company. You know what I'm saying? Mm. I know for years, I can't say I put the battery in his back, but I definitely. Um, you know, you know, kind of uh, uh, made sure I supported him because that was my man, just like people supported me with my ideas. So, you know, I'm glad we got my man on there. Uh, uh, I want to uh, formally introduce him by his government name. You know, what I'm saying, uh, <laughs> you know, because I want people to be like, I want his, his mom to listen to it. And she's like, You let them call you sus. Your name is Daniel. <laughs> you know, what I'm saying, but uh, introducing my man, Daniel Osbury. What's going on? What's going on, man? It's welcome, welcome, welcome. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Dr. Dust Podcast, good brother. What's going on? Thank you, fellas. I appreciate being on, man. Uh, you know, uh, Little E's been uh, talking to me behind the scenes. She's a super producer, so I want to give her a shout out, too. I yeah, appreciate wait, wait, wait. No, no doubt, no doubt, no doubt. Don't gas her up too much, yo. <laughs> don't gas her up too much, you know what I'm saying? But yeah, E definitely is definitely, uh, 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 you know, is, uh, is on, the, on, on the job. You know what I'm saying, or whatever the case may be, may be. So, but uh, what's going on, man? How you enjoying your summer so far? You, you, uh, you finally uh, tenured, right? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tenure, tenure. So I'm, I'm legit now, man. And uh, you know, summer's going good. Relaxing. Can't do too much because of the whole, whole Corona. But you know, relaxing, enjoying yeah. the fresh air when I can. So yeah, how about you yeah. guys? Uh, well, you know, COVID nineteen got everything all wraps. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. I mean, I know people. You know, I think everybody's probably been to the beach. That's like the getaway. Uh, uh, exactly. The, the getaway uh, uh, for the, for most people. I mean, I know the young people. They still out there partying like it's 1999, but us old folks, we stay in the house. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and let them gotta have stay all safe. of that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, got that. Got to definitely uh, uh, um, stay safe in that regard. One of the things that I, I um, and I'm gonna let Rock uh, uh, do his do do what he do. But one of the things I want to say, and I said it to you, I said it in, in the intro, and I really mean this. I want to say this from jump. I really give you props, man. On um, as I mentioned, you're an educator. Uh, do you do you mind if we say where you where you teach at? Yeah, yeah, no, no, you can, you can. All right, so you're educated in uh, Patterson Public Schools, um, mm. not too far from where we went to school, not too far from where I started my career. Uh, but I've seen you transition from being, you know, that that goofy person. Rod, let me tell you this real quick. Let me tell you this. <laughs> I, I call him Sess. I call him Sess. Yeah, so we all call him Sess. This dude is a pain in the ass, yo. Like he will walk up to you. They start punk like we got a story for days. I don't think we really ever he and I ever really got into an argument. I think maybe like a few times I probably pissed him off because I asked him for a favor or or I was like, yo, can you take me here? Or you know, can I borrow this? You know what I'm saying? But that's what I did to all my friends. You know what I'm saying? I'm I like, can see that. I can see yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So y'all know me. Y'all know how I do. But you know, some 20 years later, I can definitely see I've seen him transition um from the silly dude, you know what I'm saying? I, we used to know back in, uh, uh, in North and South Tower and Heritage of Pioneer Hall to the man that he is today. He's an excellent father. I mean, he, listen, I thought I was bad when my daughter was first born. He posts his daughter every day. I mean, literally every day he posts a picture of his mm. daughter, you know what I'm saying? Which is a good thing. It's, it's, and, and that's, yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. beautiful thing, the relationship that they have. But I could definitely say, you know what I'm saying, out of, out of a lot of our friends, you know what I'm saying, he's transitioned. And, and it has been, you know, uh, um, consistent and, of course, been successful. So, you know what I'm saying, I just want to, you know what I'm saying, get, you know, give that, give that shout out, you know what I'm saying, to my man in, in, in that regard. So enough with the bushy stuff, but I just wanted to say that, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's definitely appreciated, Reef. I, you know, and I, I consider you an inspiration, man, because you did it all before me. So I definitely learned, learned a lot from you, you know what I'm saying? I got to give it up to you, too. Yeah, yeah, well, just, just cut the check. Once we get that Amazon money from Bezos, cut the check. Cut the yeah, check, yeah, cut yeah. the check. So, so listen, Seth, I'm going to let Rod go, but we're talking about bars and books, um, hip-hop and education. You know, that's our uh, episode topic for tonight. Um, like I said, you wrote a book, and we'll get into that. But, uh, I mean, talk to us. Go ahead, Rod. Talk to the brother. Let's do what we do. Yeah, so we, we – First of all, welcome to the show again. Appreciate you coming on. Um, we're going to get into your book in a second because uh, Reef did tell me about the book a couple of days ago and I went and looked it up, but I'll get into that in a little bit. Um, t tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. I know you're in education, but let's get a little bit more to your background. Uh, well, you know, like you said, I've been a teacher going on 18 years. I also work uh, as a behavioral assistant. So I work with like kids from like five to 18 that have different behavioral problems, whether it's like um, behavioral challenges, I should say, like autism, bipolar, ADHD, all types of that. Mm. Um, also, I mean, I, you know, if you, if you got to check the bio, I, you know, I, and as Reef was saying, I am a hip hop fan, man. I'm, I'm raised on hip hop. 
that song you guys were playing when I when I just came on. I, it, it was hot, man. I, I was, was that Remedy? Who is who was that? The, that was uh, Logic. Logic. Oh, okay. oh, that, yeah, yeah. Is that the, Forever, that, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, 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 okay. But um, you know, grew up grew up on hip hop. I, I was I was an MC basically until maybe like five, ten, five, ten years ago. Hung up the mic. I mean, I still still freestyle every once in a while for fun. But uh, you know, not I was really about to ask you that. that. Yeah, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> hey, 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 Rock, can I say something? I don't want to cut you off. I'm gonna come right back to you. He's being very modest now. I know. I can see it. Yeah, two things. He had a group. He started uh, off as worldwide. He's, he was Lord Sess. Him and Vex. Shout out to Vex. Um, and then they became, wait, wait, don't tell me, don't tell me. They became, um, it was worldwide, and then became something else, but then he became John Brown, the abolitionist. I think that was some of the dopest, because people don't know who John Brown was. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. and, and, and he used to do shows and all like that. We used to go and see his shows and the whole nine, whatever. Him and, um, him and Mike, I remember, yeah. or whatever. So, but recently, for my daughter's cotillion, he wrote me a rhyme. He wrote me a verse, and I, you know, I, I did it or whatever for her continuing or whatever. So once that comes, out, I'll drop that. But he still has the talent. I tell him, I know we feel as though we old, but if he was to really get back out there from an mm. educational standpoint, he could really, really make a, a, a make a make a power move as far as not necessarily being the next this snap, but he could definitely yeah. you know what I'm saying, do some things. But go ahead, I don't want to. I don't want to say that's that. What's up. So I was gonna say because since you said. You know, he said you could uh, spit a freestyle, used to freestyle. I was going to say, so if I put you on the spot in about 20 minutes. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm game for that. But, um, okay. Yeah, definitely, man. But, yeah, like, I, I just definitely represented a culture from, from a young age. And, you know, it, it goes hand in hand with the books, man. Like, actually, my, you know, my second book is definitely, I have ideas for a second book, and it's definitely going to have a hip-hop uh Ooh. a hip hop uh back background to it. So and it's gonna be a kids book too. So I definitely and I don't know if you if you've got a chance to see the the publishing logo is a graffiti. You know, my boy hooked it up with a nice graffiti uh type logo. So you know oh, I okay. try to keep keep my love for the culture with everything I do, you know. Bad, bad. Man you got somebody here that can hook us up with a with a logo you ain't <laughs> come on man what you doing man? What you talking about me? <laughs> Listen, I'm talking to you. Listen, listen, I, I, you know what? All right, I dropped the ball. I dropped the ball. I, I'll take that on the chin. I'll take that on the chin. But it's all good. It's all good. So, so when Reef told me that you know you wrote the book, I, like I said, I went immediately to Amazon to 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 look it up or whatever. I read the title. I think I read the back page, and then I was like, "Oh, I got to put this in my car. I'm get, I'm definitely getting this." Um, because from what I read, I was like, "The book definitely seems like you know it has a message." Um, and I mean, if you want, if you if you want to tell, if you want to talk about it, you definitely can. But what stood out to me was, from what I got, is that it talks about um, what you attract in terms of negative versus positive energy so you did a, a a nice spin on it or whatever and i i have a background like most of my my teaching experience has been with kids with emotional and behavior you know disabilities like that and i think you know from what i what i saw so far with the book um i think it's a it would be a good tool to use with younger kids and learning about you know appropriate expression and gravitating so, towards certain things but you I, I ain't gonna speak for you i'm gonna let you go ahead tell, tell us about the book yeah well well I, I just want to say real quick, one of, one of the inspirations working with the older, some of the older elementary and middle school kids with my second job, I noticed that a lot of them were like 
very negative, very pessimistic. Like, like mm. I, I had this one client, he just came back from Florida and he was swimming with dolphins and, you know, doing all this really cool stuff. And then one day his mom wouldn't give him a snack when he wanted it. He was like 11, two and they're like, my life sucks. I want to die. I hate my life. And I'm like, listen, man. And, and I always used to tell these kids like, Leo, you're like a magnet, man. You, if you are always thinking your life is terrible and, and everything stinks and your life is bad, you're going to attract mm -hmm. all this negative energy to you. But if you keep thinking, whoa, I, I had a, I had a dope time in Florida and right. you know, like I, I got to swim with dolphins. How many kids can say that they did that and right. think about mm -hmm. all the good things in your life. You're going to attract more good things. And I kept using that, using that, using that with all my clients. And I was like, you know what, this, this would be a good idea for a book. And I just steamrolled with it. I, you know, hooked up with uh, Connie Cabrino, who was the illustrator and just told her my ideas and, you know, little by little, we got it done. Um, you know, I had all of it done and as Reef was saying, putting the battery in my back because we, we spoke about it a lot. I had it done and then when COVID hit, I was like, you know what, I got to format this, get it done, get it out there. And that, that, you know, a lot of people were saying, if you don't leave this quarantine with the skill or getting something done, you know, like, yeah. so I was like, I got to get this book out there. And and so mm -hmm. far, I, I mean, I'm I'm very humbled by the results, man. I'm, I'm getting like love from like adults who are saying like, this book is hitting me like i i got a, I, a female from brooklyn that i know she bought the book where she was going to give it to like her niece she has a 14 year old daughter and she said i'm, I'm keeping this for my daughter i'm going to get another copy because she can use this so it's like it's really amazing to see the effect it's having so far like i'm really i i knew it was good and i knew it was important but the way it's i'm the reviews i'm getting so far i'm like i'm really really humbled Hey, uh, Seth, this is a quick question before you go again, Doc. Do you think that um, you said you used the young, the young man as far as him swimming with dolphins and he came back, I guess, home from Florida. Do you think his environment played a role in how he viewed certain things? And is that something that you would touch, on, touch upon as far as any uh, future publications or things that you may do as far as, like, how the environment plays certain roles? I mean, it's it – his his environment did have an effect on it because you know he he kind of had a a turbulent uh his you know his mom and dad were divorced and they didn't get along so i know that kind of that you know that 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 definitely played a, a part in it so like you know that's why i try to i try to let them know like we can work don't ignore the negative but deal with it you know what i'm saying reframe it and try to try to build on the positive where you can, you know, you're going to be able to withstand whatever stresses or negative things are going on around you. Cause I'm, I'm not, you know, like I said with these kids, I, life's not perfect. We're, right. we're all going to face challenges. You know what I'm saying? Right. Even right. I, even, even as adults, like I know, like I have day, a uh, couple of days here and there where I'm mad and all oh, this getting angry. And then you, I notice, like the more I'm doing it, I'm like, you know, losing money or, you know, so I, I just attract negative energy. I'm hitting these red lights or I get pulled over. You know what I'm saying? So something might happen and I'm like, you know what? I'm, I'm causing this. I'm bringing this energy to me. So that's what, like I said, I'm bringing, I'm, I'm trying to teach the kids that no matter what they got going on, you could, you know, as long as you try to keep a positive mind state, you're going to attract that positive energy to you. And it's mm -hmm. only going to help you as the days go by. So. Okay. okay. Yeah. Yeah. Now, do you, do you work in a urban population? Yes. Yeah, so, well, I, I teach where I teach is urban in Patterson uh, with the okay. other job. Other job, yeah. it could be I've worked in Patterson. I've worked in Newark, but I also work with suburban. Like I work all throughout Passaic and Essex County, basically. OK, so it's, now, it's, it's a mix. OK. Now, when you when you got into your 
when you got into teaching, did you did you seek out working in the urban population, or did you just kind of fall into that? Um, I think I I I I did look for it. I looked for it because I felt like it was going to be a rewarded. I felt it was going to be more rewarding. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And I I I, I enjoy it. And like Reef was saying, I I work with. I don't know what 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 grade what you said you work with elementary or high school kids, Ra or what? what I mean, I, I work with high school now. I've okay. I've worked with the whole gamut, but I'm back I'm back in high school. Okay, so I, I'm I'm actually a preschool teacher. I work with three and four year olds, so that's that goes back oh. to me. Maybe on the carpet and shit, giving out. You snacks. got that? That's what I, I tell him, it. yo. Oh man, I tell him, yo. He got. I, listen, I, he got. He got all types of lizards and geckos in his classroom. And, I, and I, I that, that 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 goes back to what Reef was telling him about uh, saying about me being silly, man. It's just I, I like having a good time with these kids, and they, you know, they they. It's cool because I feel like they look up look up to me. Not to say the high school kids or the older kids wouldn't, mm-hmm. but. I, I don't know. I think I have more patience to deal with the, the, the little ones. So you know, you you probably and knowing you, you you do have more patience because I know you've been at it for for years. But also, your per like you have to have a certain personality to yeah. just as a teacher. You have to have a certain personality to deal with whatever area you're going to teach it. So if it's middle school, you got to have a middle school person. They say mm-hmm. that we take on the personality of the kids we teach. So Roz always, you know, and I know him. I've been knowing him for almost just about the same amount of time as you. He's always mm. like the mature one in the room when it comes to he and I. Like, I'm the silly one. I could be mature, but I got that middle school concept. You know what I'm saying? Whereas, like, you know, it go off and on. He's the high school concept. He's always thinking like a step further. You, you've always been silly. So you, you almost like pre, pre, uh, I guess, determined to be, you know, that kindergarten type of kid and, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And, you know, all that type of stuff or whatever the case may be. So. You know that's that's the uh, that's a good thing. But one thing I I, I do want to say, um, and you mentioned you made a point as far as teaching urban, urban education. Um, for you, Seth, you said that you was gravitated to it. And I think you know you need to give a little little background as far as not necessarily where you come from, but how I guess where we went to school in certain environments kind of led you to that. If you don't mind touching upon that. Uh well, you know we went to William Patterson. I mean, my you know. I'm an open-minded dude. You know what I'm saying. I was I was raised in. Um, uh, Ra, are you are you from Central Jersey or? or I'm originally from North, and then I um I done moved all around Jersey. Keep okay, it real. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was I was from I was born in Perth Amboy, but I was raised like in Woodbridge and Island. But then okay. you know I went 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 to William Patterson, lived on campus, and you know I, I'm an open-minded dude. Most most being a fan of hip hop, most of my friends, my close cl- real close like brothers were black and latino and mm. you know so it's just like you know and i i just feel like i gotta i have a respect for that for 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 the culture and the environment you know what i'm saying yeah. like mm. like i i've spent a lot of my time in in those in in cities in towns and places where it's mostly black and latino people so you know i felt like i feel comfortable there like and and mm. i hate to say it and i'm sure you guys have seen it too there's some teachers that are caucasian that are just there for the paycheck, unfortunately, right. and they don't really. That's what I wanted not, to you. I wanted you they, to get to. Go ahead. Yeah, they they don't really have um, cultural. They don't have that respect for the for the culture, where mm. I feel like I'm there. You know, like I I, I could walk down, and and I'm not saying this as a as a bragging right, but I feel like I could walk down the the hardest street in Patterson, and if I see one of my parents, they're gonna show me love. Oh, that's Mr. O. They call me Mr. Yeah. O. And oh, that's Mr. O. He cool. He cool. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it's like I feel like, you know. I give love and they, and they get love back. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, it's a, it's a respect thing. 
When I, hey, Rob, when I had hair, I we used to go to the same barbershop. He still go there too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> when I had hair, we used to go to Miguel's up on uh, up on Belmont. Was that East Twenty Fourth in Belmont or something yeah, like yeah. that? Yeah, yeah, I gotta go to Big M's tomorrow, man. I gotta. Get oh, out. where? Tell him I go. When you go, Facetime me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You go, Wait, how you gonna Facetime? You got Android. But now nah, um, I, I definitely think um, that's so I've you have 18 years in, in education. I'm, this is my 17th year in teaching. And I, I tell people this all the time. I never saw myself getting in, into education when I was when I was in undergrad, I always thought education was like the easy way out, um, uh, career path, whatever, because I thought it was just like, it was easy, anybody could become a teacher. And then in 2004 is when I, I got started. And I was like, yo, this ain't a game. It's like, it's serious. But mm-hmm. I always said that I wanted to work in an urban setting, an urban setting if, if I was gonna, if I was gonna, um, you know, do education because one, I wanted to work with kids that look like me, but I also wanted mm. to work with kids who I share the same experience with. And what I find is that a lot of us who grew up in urban communities, um, when we go into education, we want to teach in those same type of communities that, you know, that we grew up in. So I'm, I was glad that you brought up the point about some people who are not like us, who mm. also work in urban, but they're like they're just collecting the check or they don't even understand. Like I tell people all the time, that book stuff that you learn, in, in undergrad and in, in grad school, that don't always apply in the classroom when you work in the urban setting. Like you gotta, you have to understand these kids in a different way in order to, um, in order to get them to respond to you, but also to buy into what you're trying to get them. You know what I'm saying? Exactly, exactly. Now that's, that, that's, that's a good point, man. And, and going back to the whole, you know, people that, some people are there just to collect a paycheck. Like I, I had an instance because I, I started in New Brunswick. I taught in New Brunswick before I moved to Patterson. And um, the school that I taught at was more Latino with a, with a sprinkling of African-American and Caribbean. So, um, and my, my wife is, is Puerto Rican. So I remember I had an incident mm. where I was, I was on my prep and a, and a Caucasian female who worked with me, uh, she came in and I guess she thought, cause I was, you know, white that she, she could start mouthing off about Latinos. I told her, yo, I'm, I don't play that. And if you know, mm. if, I don't know if you know, but my, at the time she was my fiance. I said, my fiance is Puerto Rican. So I don't, I don't really appreciate what, what you're saying. So she, she was definitely caught off guard. She thought that she could like come in and, and spit. And, and, and then when I hear stuff like that, I'm like, wow, you know, I hate to say it, but why, why are you teaching in this community? If you don't love the, if you don't have a love to really make a difference in that community, you shouldn't mm. be there. And, and I'm not saying it's all, it's everyone. Cause there Hey, I know a lot of white white teachers that are in there that really do care and, and giving their all, but mm, unfortunately, right. there's unfortunately there's some that you know that are in there, and it's like you know, if you don't really love these kids, you shouldn't be there because that you're only hurting the kids, you're only hurting youth, man. Right, so, exactly. I mean, and that's yeah. and that's any aspect of 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 working with the youth. I've I've worked at a, you know at group homes. I worked in psych facilities for, for youth, um, and that's always my philosophy. If you're not there for them, don't go at all. And, and, and uh, yeah. that's that you speaking the truth. So bringing it back to um, to uh, the focus on hip hop. Now I know you said you work with uh, preschool. Do you ever incorporate that into 
the, the kids that you work with now? <laughs> I, I, I definitely do. I, I remember one year we did, uh, <laughs> uh, my school did like a Black History Month celebration and, and, and I tried to get my kids to learn. It was when, when uh, Nas' song, I know I can, you know, when yeah. I came out. So we, mm. we, we, we learned it and we got on stage and the only thing they remembered, I tried to get them to do like the first two verses and the, and, and the hooks. And they froze up with the verses. I actually had to grab the mic, and I, I, I didn't, it was like impromptu. I, I didn't want to rap, but I wound up rapping the whole. And they, they just did the hook, so it was, it was pretty cool. So yeah, I mean, I definitely do do it. I get, I get books on, on like I got a few books from Amazon off. Like it's pretty cool. Like books, like picture books for preschool about the history of hip hop, and you know, I, I'm always playing. Like I play different music all the time. Like I play break beats for the kids. I'll play like, like you know, even if it's like kids bop hip hop or. You know, if I find songs on YouTube that don't have curses or, you know, um, even when it comes to like... That's what you was doing. You, was, you had to do this? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See a group of your ass up here doing yeah. that with a bunch of preschoolers. Good stuff, yeah. good stuff. Go ahead, I'll pop up. So, so, wait, are you... So, now that we in the midst of this pandemic, are you still working in the actual classroom or like are you doing the zoom thing no i was doing the zoom thing and and, and we as far as i know right now we're going to be virtual until at least november but from march to from march until the end of this past school year i was doing zoom well we were doing google google meet and then okay. we, so so as far as i know until november we're going to be virtual again so it's challenging it's challenging with the little kids because they i was about to ask that yeah <laughs> I'm, 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 well, the thing, the thing that was good this year is I had a rapport with them because I was with them until March. Mm -hmm. I'm getting a whole new group. So I'm wondering how these kids are going to react. Cause, cause the thing is in September, you know, I'm, I'm not saying I'm seven foot, but I'm, I'm 5'11 and I weigh like two, 250. And, you know, so they see me, the little three, four year olds, sometimes they're shook at me at first. They got to warm up yeah. to me. So I'm like, how are they going to look at me with, uh, on the when camera? Yeah. On, on the camera? Yeah. I don't right. know if you saw the, I don't know if you saw these Instagram, uh, I think they're like little TikToks where the parents are scaring their kids with their yeah, kids. Come look at your teacher. They're going to run away. That's what's going to happen, man. So I, I, it's going to be challenging, but I'm, I'm looking forward to it. You know, I got to, yeah. I gotta, you, you got, you got to, you know, adjust and adapt. So. Right. And I, and one of the reasons why I asked that question, cause I have, my son is four years old. He'll be five in November. And because of where his birthday fall, he, he can't go into kindergarten this year. So he's going into preschool, but he hates zoom. Like, oh, so okay. his, 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 when his, um, when his, uh, learning center closed down, they went to a zoom model and um you know we tried to get him on there and he was just like he would sit there like this and he he just he didn't like it so now his new school that he's starting in two weeks um they're doing like little zoom introductions and they're giving us the option to do like the hybrid model the virtual model to bring him in and i'm like he he not he not feeling the zoom so i feel like i have no choice but to send him to school and they're taking okay, precautions okay. now they want to give kids you know give them the COVID test um you know every every i think it's every two weeks now but um okay, okay. you know all i don't some kids just don't respond to that now he goes to the school that he's starting at he goes with a lot of caucasian kids now and okay. it was like i think it was five of them on a zoom call the other day and he was the only one that was really not interested but um when he's in the class it was like he's doing this he's doing that he's so invested and i think kid you have to be able to understand kids learning styles and what they you know what they can respond to and i and i would actually be i would feel bad if we did not have the option 
to send him in because he would he would essentially be be lost because he's like I'm not sitting here staying at a computer. I definitely see that. I see. I've seen. You know, from from that time from March when we closed down until June 23rd, I saw mm-hmm. some kids that loved it. I saw some kids that were like your son; they really weren't feeling it. I saw some mm-hmm. kids that were so hyper they couldn't. You know, you see them on the screen and they run back; they're going to get toys right. and like toys. You know, and then unfortunately, it's it, I, for whatever reason. I have 15 kids in my class. I think the most I ever had on on like my Google Meet calls were probably like nine. Like a couple of them because whether the mom got COVID or they had to work or they had a hard time connecting, uh, there was like six that probably never, never logged on. Like I was able to send them stuff via email or we use, uh, I don't know if you know, a class dojo, I used to send them stuff through class yeah. dojo. So, mm-hmm. so they get, they get videos, they get little things I'd send them, but, um, activities and stuff, but they would never be on the Google meet call. So that, that was another challenging thing, getting all the, all the kids to participate. So mm. it's, yeah, I, I, it's, it's, it's hard and it's hard, you know, it's, it, it's going to be hard for the, for the little ones. I, I feel bad for them. I, I wish I could snap my fingers and get rid of this virus and we go back to school, man. Cause it's, it's right, tough. It's right. tough, tough, tough on us, tough on the kids. It's tough on everybody. So I don't know. Hopefully, well, hopefully. Go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, no, no, what, no. What were you going to say? No, I, was gonna, I just was going to say, I think that, you know, this is where as educators, we have to be creative um, to the best we can. And I know by you guys both having young children, see, I got a 17 year old, so it's a little different. I just got to make sure, like I told her the other day, I just got to make sure you get to see your year. You know what I'm saying? And you know what your responsibilities are. But for you guys, like you said, Ra, and uh, um, I was listening in the background. You sound went out. Huh? Can you hear him? I can hear him. Okay, can you hear me? I can. Okay, so my thing is like, you know, you have to, Make sure that you have um, okay. your your um, you have to make sure that you have your uh, what's the word I'm looking for your ingenuity your uh, uh, creativity all all of those things that are key to mm-hmm. being a productive uh, educator or whatever the case may be as far as uh, as far as far as that so you know but uh let's do this let's do this right it's the Doctor Dunst podcast. You know what I'm saying? When we get it raw, real, and relevant, tell them what, uh, tell them where they can find us, boss. You can find us on iHeartRadio, Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube, and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Please drop us a message. Let us know what you think. Give us some feedback. It'll be greatly appreciated. Oh, do that again. Oh, yeah, do that again. Now. I've been working. Subscribe. All right. We always have a little de- technical difficulty with that. Listen, that's usually that's usually the first one. By the second one, I'll I'll get it right. But now, listen, we 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 we've been talking to uh, uh, Lord Sess, uh, uh, aka uh, Miss Just Mister O, aka Daniel. Hey, you got a bunch of uh, act, uh, <laughs> um, we want to uh, welcome uh, to to the late man of the show. You know what I'm saying? Um, uh, 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 well, Rod, you know what? I, um, hold on. I'm going to let you uh, introduce introduce uh, the good brother because I don't want to mess up his name. I might have messed up too much on my sound. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, our next guest, um, he did have some technical difficulties, but he is here with us now live. Um, he is an MC, an artist, and also an educator and youth activist. Um, some of you may know him. Some of you may not. But I'm going to let him do 
his own bio, but I will do the introductions. Mr. Gabriel Asheru Ben. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Doc and Dutch, sir. <laughs> yeah, we you said we gonna Oh you unmute him, unmute him. There you go. What's going on? Oh let, let this play all the way through. This is one of my favorite shows. I gotta let this play all the way through. <laughs> I like what Raleigh what, uh, what Raleigh do the kick at the end. You know what I mean? Oh, Huey, my fault not Raleigh Huey. Yeah. All right, all right. Welcome, good brother. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Doctor Dust Podcast. Thank you for having me, man. Sorry, I'm for, sorry for the technical difficulty. Sorry, I'm late. It's all good. You don't blame hey, me. Man, it happened late. to the best of us. Seth, it happened to Seth, the best of us. Listen, Seth is my man, but he called Cajun, <laughs> so you know he's gonna be on time. Always <laughs> <laughs> late, so it's okay. You you 45 minutes late, long as you showed up. Oh, it's, it's all good. It's all good. It's all good. So listen, you joined us for our um. Bars and Books episode, Hip Hop and Education. Uh, introduce you to my good friend of, uh, of 20, uh, almost 30 years. You already know, Ra. Um, this is my man, Daniel Oldsbury, also known as Lord Sess, a.k.a. Just Mr. O. He wrote a book <laughs> called Max, Max, the Mag, uh, Max the Magnet. Oh, yeah, Max. Magnet, yeah, Max. yeah. No, Max yeah. the Magnificent. I apologize. No, 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 no. Max, Max it's the Max the Magnet. magnet. Oh, Max the Magnet. See, I'm just messing Magnificent up. journey. Yeah, Come on, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's that Merlot. That Merlot's kicking in. But um, we, we wanted to have this episode in which we not only talked about um, music as far as uh, 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 and, and education, but also the influence of hip-hop and education. We know that both of you guys are authors. We know both of you guys are MCs. But we also know both of you guys have had an impact on the culture, whether it be inside the classroom, excuse me, inside and outside the classroom. So i give you the floor, good brother. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Gabriel Asher Ruben. I'm a 20-plus year educator uh, from Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. I worked in elementary, middle, high school, alternative, um, every section you can name of in schools. I uh, spent about 10-plus years teaching another seven or eight as an administrator, and I run an organization here in D.C. called Guerrilla Arts. Okay. We recruit, train, and hire local artists of all genre, all media, um, to work directly with schools, to work in communities, and to transfer their skills to young people um, as a form of informal education. And currently, I'm a faculty member with an organization called ASCD, Association for Supervision of Curriculum and Development. And I train teachers around the country around just culturally responsive teaching, restorative practice. Um, hip hop, you know, uh, always permeates through all of it because I am hip hop, you know what I mean? But mm -hmm. it's just, uh, you know, being in different, finding, finding myself in different types of rooms that didn't normally welcome hip hop or hip hop education. Mm -hmm. And so um, it's just been a struggle I've been fighting through since 99 to get hip-hop in schools, you know, and, yeah. uh, and that's when I, you know, uh, see, I call you Turpin, so I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but, that's cool. Um, but yeah, like 2003, 2004 is when we met, and I was I was pushing it back then, you know, um, mm -hmm. trying to get hip-hop into our curriculum and, and bringing in different local artists to teach our classes. So at the school we worked at, I had I had a lot of autonomy. I was able to like hire people and bring people in. So like the musicians in my band, the keyboard player, the bass player, the producer, they ended up being music 
TAs. They were teaching assistants for the music teacher. Mm. Uh, the guy that did our flyers, he he's a had a master's degree in graphic design. Didn't even know it. Talking mm. to him one day, like, yeah, Yo, you want to teach? He's like, yeah. I taught community college. I could teach this. Right. He came on as our graphic design teacher. Another brother that I wrote songs with, Ryan Way, he taught English. We had mm. another brother that was a martial artist slash MC. He taught PE. He taught martial arts for PE. Like that was his class, was a martial arts class. So just bringing in these different artists and seeing how our kids were matriculating through school and then post-secondary, they weren't just trying to go to college. They were like mm -hmm. going to uh, culinary school, going to engineering programs to be sound engineers or like just finding different pathways. And that's when it all clicked. Like, man, we can really do this, you know? So and, you you brought in... Not to cut you off, I don't mean to be rude, but you brought in people that were in your band and they became teachers in your school? Yeah. That's one, of them went, That's one of them went on, one of them actually went on to get his master's in special ed. Uh -huh. uh, it, I mean, he's an accomplished musician. His name is right. Zoe. If you have a day yeah. with Zoe, keyboard player from Detroit. Uh -huh. When he moved to DC, within like three or four months of us knowing each other and working together, I was like, man, you might as well come on in here and learn how to teach. When you, you know did, what I mean? when you, and I just want to ask this, Rob, before you go, but I asked Rue, when you did that, did it change the culture of the building? And did you see it change in the kids? How Absolutely. so? Absolutely. I mean, you got to think about it. The kids we were working with were level four, level five special ed kids. And this is in mm -hmm. DC, right? This is in DC? Yeah. It was in D.C., but it okay. was, they, these kids were self-contained. Like, okay. you would have to teach all the courses with, yeah. with your group of five. It wasn't like they were moving around in a, mm -hmm. you know, so it was a lot to deal with. We had a lot of trauma we had to deal with, emotional stuff the kids were dealing with. And the arts was the way of, for us to, like, build community. Mm -hmm. And it allowed us to build those relationships and build that trust so that when we do have to correct you or tell you you're doing wrong, you know it's coming from a genuine place. It's not coming from me just trying to flex because I'm the authority, you know what I mean? Right. I think, I think that's what changed a lot of the culture of our school. I mean, honestly, man, before I hired those people, I'm not gonna put it on the spot, but we had one guidance counselor at the time. Mm -hmm. And I remember asking her, why don't you have any like college banners and like FAFSA information and stuff like that. You don't have none of that up in right. your office. She was like, come on, Ben, you know these kids ain't going to college. Wow. Her answer. You wow. Know? And that was her genuine answer. Well, you mm -hmm. know what? You know what? And I want to say this, and, and Seth alluded to it earlier before you came on. When you're, you and both of you guys, like I say, you guys have a bunch of different accolades in education. But one thing I can say and listen to both of your stories, you guys were both vested which allowed it, which allowed your uh, uh, original talent for music to manifest itself. And we teased Seth earlier, and he, you know, I'll keep it real short, he's a preschool teacher. So he likes to sing the little songs and do the little yeah. lives and all that type of stuff. But <laughs> yeah, that yeah. love manifests itself, the, the love for music even manifests itself in, in education. So, you know, I, right. I, I wanted to bring that point up for the listeners so that way, you know, they can understand not only your love uh, although we're talking about bars and things of that nature, but they can also understand your love for the community and for the people. So for that, I give you a live hand clap. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say that, though. I mean, our whole philosophy with Gorilla is that teaching artists make the best teachers. Like mm -hmm. artists, if you can get an artist to share what they do, 
they're the best teachers because they're already passionate about what they're showing you. You know what I mean? So the passion is there, not just for you as a kid or teaching or whatever. That might not, that might have to get developed. But the passion for the content that they're teaching, if right. this is a muralist, he's going to tell you this is how you put a mural up. He's not going to have step in it. Got to go look in a book and give, right. you know, he's going to tell you like, no, nah, don't do that. This is how you do it. And you scared, you know, and you can see that passion come through. And then the next piece is just training them to how to work with different multiple personalities and, and all of that, which is a little tougher. You know what I mean? Right. But if you can find an artist that really is passionate and wants to give back, man, they make the best teachers. They make the best teachers. They just have a natural um, way with people. And they, they speak from a different worldview, I think. You know, okay. Man. Well, go ahead, Rod, because I asked we can have him tell his story all day. Let's get to the nitty gritty. <laughs> I got some stuff so, I gotta touch on because he said he he said he lived hip hop. So we gonna get to it. I see I got my shirt on one A, one B, so let's go. We're gonna get to it. Go ahead, Rod. So listen, real quick. So my I when it came when it came to music, I was a late bloomer with music. I didn't start liking music until I was in high school because I was very immature. So all I wanted to do was play sports and play video games. And then I got put on to music when I was in high school. So music kind of helped me in the sense of motivating me to go to school every day. And I'll be honest with you, honest first album, Back the Fuck Up, was the mm -hmm. album that I would get up every morning, pop the tape in my boom box, and that's how I motivated myself to go to school every day because I went to three <laughs> different high schools. By the time I got to the third high school, I was done with school. I was like, I'm not feeling this no more, but I was able to go and be present every day because that that album put something in me. It was just like, yeah, I'm here now. And I was also going through a time where I wasn't feeling white people because of the experience that I had in, in this high school that I was going to. So anyway, I want to ask you guys the question. What is what do you think is the the impact of hip hop on education or how can hip hop impact education? Whichever way you want to answer that. Go ahead, Seth. Uh, well, I'm going to tell you from my perspective, when as a, a young Caucasian dude that grew up in, in, in a mostly Caucasian uh, elementary school, I was put on the hip hop by my, by my cousins. They gave me like, you know, the Run DMC Raising Hell album and some Fat Boys album. And mm -hmm. the first album that really, from my era, when, when I, when, when hip hop started really making an impact on me, it made me want to read, which is uh, really coincides with this episode. I remember in eighth grade, I was delivering newspapers. My first money or check or whatever you say, I went to uh, Record Town or Sam Goody or whatever, and I bought It Takes a Nation a Million to Hold Us Back. And that album was incredible. That album changed my <laughs> yeah. life, man. And you know, it came, it came with the little yeah. insert with the, with the lyrics. Mm -hmm. And and me me being a white dude from the suburbs, I kept hearing Chuck D talk about Malcolm X, Malcolm X. Brothers and, and sisters. <laughs> and I, honestly, at that time in my Brothers life, I didn't, I, I didn't know who Malcolm X was. Yeah. And then it, that same year, we had to do a, a book pause. Book. pause. <laughs> I decided to play that for my man Stud Dougie that influenced his life. Go ahead. Yeah, so, so we had to do a book report on the autobiography and I had all these autobiographies spread out on the table. And in the middle, I saw the autobiography of Malcolm X. I was like, oh, that's, that's the dude Chuck D was talking about. Mm -hmm. Read that book, changed my life. I read that book like 10 times. Like that is like, like wow. almost like the Bible or Quran to me, man. I, that mm -hmm. book is, is, is great. I wish I, wish I could gift that to every, every kid, man, because that, that is, 
an awesome book. And like artists like that, like Chuck, you know, Public Enemy, Boogie Down Productions, X Clan, Brand Nubian, they made me want to read because they were saying stuff like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? And I, I, I will hope that the culture could get back to that. I know there still are a lot of artists that are like that, but the mm. ones that are being fed to the youth, unfortunately, they're talking about, you know, Zans and Mollies and Percocets and, 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 you know, there's a balance of everything. I know there's a yin and yang. There's going to be negative. There's going to be positive. But that's, mm. that's what I, I hope the youth can get back to is, is learning more about the hip hop that, that's going to make them want to read, make them pick up a book. Well, what, what does this mean? What does that mean? So yeah. that's, how it, that's how it influenced me. It made me want to read when I was younger. And I love that. I, I, I thank hip hop to death for that. Okay. Go ahead, yeah. Ash. What you got, boss? No, I, I totally agree. I feel the same way. Hip hop taught me everything. It taught me how to taught me about being a young man in society. It taught me about black nationalism. It taught me about women. It taught me, to, you know, to this day, I only give pounds with the right hand because of Cuban. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm. I don't eat pork. I'm not Muslim, but I don't eat pork. Cause mm. I, you know what I'm saying? Talk to your boy. Talk to your boy. I knew you was going to say something. Talk to your boy. He eats one. He eats that swan still. That dog, that rat, that cat. He still wait, eats that Wait, wait. Now, let me tell you something. Every time you bring this up, I end up having a story about it. Oh, I have not eaten pork in about maybe like a month now. Uh, so, since we've been like doing the, the podcast. Taste, the taste is not really there for me now. Since we've been doing so, the podcast. Yeah, yeah, I got an info. I got one. Here you go. Go yeah. ahead, Ash. Go ahead, Ash. Uh, I, I it's funny, though, you know, people, I, I remember being in, you know, in mixed company restaurants or whatever. People are like, you don't eat pork? I'm like, nah. He's like, but you muscle? Right, right, yeah. I don't, I don't even you got knowledge yourself. Yeah, it's just you know, so it just taught me about everything, man. And I, 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 um, Nation of Millions was one of the albums that just had a big, big, heavy impact on me. X Clan, I listened to X Clan growing up. Mm. Um, Dougie Fresh, World's Greatest Entertainer, like those albums were like just everything for me. You know what I mean? And then when I got mm. on the NWA, it just started really expanding, got to the native tongues. And, like my whole worldview of everything changed. And it was like, I had this group of people that were speaking directly to me. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. KRS-One, Big Daddy came. Like I really felt like, damn, I got a real representative out here. And this is this is what I, I didn't even want to be an MC. I just wanted to consume as much music as I could. You know what I mean? And um, mm -hmm. then that turned into me writing all my favorite lyrics. I used to keep a composition notebook and I would just write the lyrics to all my favorite songs. That's the, that was just like my hat, my like a thing I did, you know. Especially if like if it was a song I really loved, it made it to my book, you know what I mean. And I just learned, just I would just write the lyrics. Every I stop it, pause it, listen to what he said, write it. You know, it's before genius and all of that. I was transcribing <laughs> songs in the book, mm -hmm. you know what I mean. And then that turned into me just. Um, you know, I would be, again, with friends or whatever, and I would just be spitting these lyrics, songs that I love, and I know, like, every line, you know what I mean? People like, damn, how you memorize all this, you know? And it just turned, that turned into me wanting to do it, you know, wanting mm -hmm. to write and wanting to, so I think hip-hop just kind of held my hand through my whole development, you know what I mean? And that's why, even when I, so when I got to that school that I was talking about where we were, you know, the first thing when I got an opportunity to make something like a curriculum or make something that was gonna feature hip hop, my first instinct was, well, we gotta break the lyrics down. Mm. Cause that was my mm. natural orientation. Like, right, I grew right. up breaking lyrics down. 
Shit, right. if they can break them down, they can they can learn stuff. And they can learn right. metaphor and all of that stuff. So that was how I first started and got into really wanting to do hip hop education. But like the brother said, man, as time went on, the content changed, the music mm. changed, the corporations got involved, and mm. now it's all about context. It's not really about what they're saying. It's the context of what they're saying because these kids are going to learn it and pick up these habits and pick up these things anyway. It's just how do we frame it now to give to, to help them understand what's real and what's not real, you know what I mean? And it makes me think about C. Dolores Tucker. You know, when we were younger, right. she was like, this music is trash. We got to – our kids can't listen to this. This is making them do bad things. Remember that? Yeah, we yeah. were all yep. that old lady be quiet. What's she talking about? <laughs> right, right, right. Yo, see, Dolores Tucker was right. She was trying to tell us what was coming. Right. You know. Well, let me let me let me ask you this, Ash, and I don't and Rama let you go, but you I, I, that was a point that I wanted to I always like to piggyback off of points almost from like an audience perspective. I think that during our era, like one of my favorite rappers is G Rap. And I remember uh uh um talk like sex. That didn't mean I was going out there doing it, but it was just the fact that, oh, shit, like, you heard that. Like, we was looking, we was young. Like, I don't know about y'all. I was a late bloomer. So I was like, oh, shit, like, what are you talking about? What are you talking about? You know what I'm saying? But those things, I think a lot of times, like, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, because I think we're all from the same age group and definitely from the same era. Like, a lot of times, these kids listen to music, and they feel as though they have to do that. Whereas when we listen to music, even with our parents, whether it be two-parent home, single-family home, grandparents, aunts, and uncles, we didn't have to do that. Like, you right. know, Bob Deep, even though it was a little later, we didn't have to go out and sell drugs. You know, right, right, right. You know, different artists. Like you said, you said Kane, you said Native Tongues. Yeah, like, yeah. we were all from that era. Like, Native Tongues was just having fun, yeah, buddy, yeah. Mm -hmm. that nature. So yeah. I think, like you say, the context now is just, um, is, is like the, a lot of the kids feel that like they have to do that. But I think the reason why is because they're not educated um, even to a certain respect in the music. You know what I'm saying? They don't have, like Seth said, the brand newbie. Like you said, the Native Tongues. Like you said, X-Clan. Mm. I remember X-Clan was like green, black, and red. Shit, nigga, mm. I wore African medallion. I knew Africa, the continent. But a lot <laughs> right. of people wore it and didn't know what the colors were. You know what I'm mm. saying? But we exactly. learned that through the music. You know what I'm what? saying? So I just wanted to just say that. Um, but I do want to I do want to give you proper respect. You said Native Tongues. Yeah. Rest in peace, if I dog. So, you know, iconic. That was a big, I, was I think, a big impact on my like that that era of my life, man. I that was like some of the best years of my childhood, bro. I think for all of us, it was. I, mean, I, would, say, I would say the late eighties, yeah, maybe up until maybe ninety six, nine. I would say probably within a a ten to twelve year run. From like 89 to like 2001, probably, and I can definitely speak for Seth, because Seth is my man, not speak for him, but it was just like a good era of music because it yeah. constantly changed, but everybody had their own lane. You know, yeah. everybody had their own lane. You know what I'm saying? But go ahead, Rod. I, I just wanted to say that to Ash. Yeah, so I was, I'm glad you brought up the literacy program. So I want, I want to, for Seth's sake and Reef's sake, um, to talk about that because you, you put us on to that the hip hop educational literacy program um, when I was still in DC. And if you remember when I left DC and I went to Jersey, I hit you up because I wanted to buy some books for the kids. So at the time I was a resource teacher and I was working in a middle school 
And the young men that I was working with had no interest in reading. So I was like, what can I do to get these kids interest? That's yeah. why I hit you up. And when yeah. I implemented that program, these dudes fell in love with that program. So please tell them, you know, about the program, how you came up with it, and, you know, everything about that. Yeah, no, nah, man, um, that's, man, that's so dope, man. Thank you for that. That's really dope. Hey, yeah. If you can hold over there, can you grab one for me? Um, so, no, nah, it's called, the, the program is called Help. And what happened was the owner of the school we were working in, older white guy, like, he might have been in his 60s when we were working yeah. together, right? I gave him my album at the time. I had just put out, like, I think it was, like, before Boondocks. I had just given him, like, this mixtape or something that I was working on. And he comes to my office, man, and he's like, yo, I really like your album. And I was like, oh, word, for real? He's like, yeah, man, <laughs> it's awesome. He said, what you think about, like, making these into, like, workbooks or something, like, breaking down your lyrics? And I was like, man, I got something even better than that. And, and I took myself out of the equation and was like, let's just put everybody on a cover. Like, we, let's just make workbooks that feature everybody, like all the heroes, you know, like everybody you can think of. And so we ended up, we ended up making um, about 12 different titles Ooh. that were featuring songs that were either, uh, they all had to be culturally responsive. They all had to be relatively clean and vocabulary rich. So we had songs like Calm in the Corner, Nas, oh, wow. um, Kanye and Jay, Diamonds from Sierra Leone. Um, Ghostface was on there. Was everything. Ghostface, all that I got is juice. It's taking like, taking songs from like heroes of hip hop, you know? And I remember mm -hmm. back then people were like, well, these songs are gonna go out of style. What you gonna do five, 10 years from now? I was like, man, nah. you still reading Shakespeare. What you talking yeah, about? Yeah, right, exactly. exactly. Stuff, Yo, these I'm, I'm, forever. I'm stealing that idea, Ash. I'm stealing that idea. I'm about to get paid <laughs> off of it. I'm about what? to get paid off. My right business, we about to get paid off of it, Seth. We about to get paid off of it. I'm Hey man, I'm still to this day. People still order these books. They're still available. Wow, that's beautiful. And, and people are using them because now teachers, I don't know why they didn't get it before, but teachers are starting to realize, oh, I gotta build relationships with these kids. Mm -hmm. I gotta get to know them. And yeah. hip hop is the one beautiful thing where the father and the son, the mother and the daughter, we listen to the same artists. Mm -hmm. We both like T.I. We both yeah. like Jay. We both mm -hmm. listen to Nas. We both watching Beyonce Black is King at the same time. A 40-some-year-old mama and her 12-year-old daughter. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So that's the beauty of hip-hop. I'm going to show you. This is what the books look like. So it'll be like Calm in the Corner. Mm -hmm. This one is Most Deaf New World Water. Yeah. And, and the way that the books were broken down is, this is, the, this is the real reason why I wanted to make them the way that we made them. You know, we were working in a special ed school, so I had seventh graders that were reading on like a third grade reading level mm -hmm. on average. Yeah. And the problem was, it was like, how are we gonna teach grade level content to kids that are reading on a second and third grade reading level? So mm -hmm. what, what ended up happening is you have your social studies class, one kid would get the purple book, that's a fourth grade level, one kid would get a red book that's like sixth grade, seventh grade level, and the mm -hmm. rest of them would get these green books. And everybody knows what level you are because the color of your book. Yeah. So now that turned into a whole beef. So what we did was we made it so that everybody got the same book, 
but you would go through different studios and each it was scaffolded. So every studio was a different reading level and you could progress through the book, even though we were all breaking down the same lyrics, the same text, you know? Mm. And so that's how we did it, man. And that turned into us having like weekly seminar. We would have like weekly workshops with the whole school, bring like 60 kids into a room with their teachers and lead whole English classes with these books. You know what I mean? And we did it. And it just changed the culture of our school, man. So I'm just saying, like, I believed in hip-hop so much, man, that every principal we went to, every door we tried to sell it to, they sh they shut it in our face. Like, man, fuck out of here. Hip-hop can't be in the classroom. You got 50 wow. Cent on the cover. You got Nas on the cover. They looking like thugs. Like, that's what people would tell us. You know what? At denied everywhere we went for, you know for like what? four years. You know what, Ash, and I'm gonna say this, and 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 I don't, and I was joking when I said I stole the idea. I'll just take it and call it something else. But you, um, <laughs> I, you should probably revisit that and real talk. Push that to um, like the teacher publications, uh, like you know, Barons and stuff like that. Because the way things are now, and I hate to say, I hate to say it like this, and you guys may agree to disagree. Rest in peace to George Floyd. But because of this recent movement of social injustice, they're looking for that next thing to show mm -hmm. multiculturalism and diversity. They're oh, looking for yeah. that next, like that whole next poignant moment. And this will be the opportune time for both of you guys as authors to probably, like you say, Seth, you put something out. Ash, you put something yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. But something like this on a curriculum level that's gonna be mm -hmm. geared towards black and brown students, especially right. in the inner cities, yo, right. you could make a Billion dollars off of that. Yeah. Yeah. I need help, yeah. man. Look, I, I give commissions. You want to go out here and help me give it in some school? Oh, listen, listen, yo, listen, uh, I listen. I advocate for you to put it in, in my in my school's network. I kid you not. Yeah. Because yeah. These, the the programs that they're using now, while working at these kids hate it, man. They be like, yeah. why we got to do this? And it, and it, you, the, the crazy thing about it, it's on the same line as what you're doing, but it's not hip hop. It's, not it's hip -hop. like they're using everything. Their stuff is based on current events. Yeah, these right. kids don't give as they don't give a damn as much about yeah. current events. Not at all. But okay. you put some music on them, some 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 lines that they can relate to. Oh, they be all in. They be yeah. all in it. And that's the thing. That's the reason. Like the songs we chose, these are like universal themes. The reason why we still read Shakespeare. And these other authors is because they wrote about universal themes love, mm -hmm. hate, greed, jealousy, mm -hmm. lust, murder, like stuff that is has been here forever and is gonna continue mm -hmm. to be here. So so when we talk about when we use common and we talk about that song in the corner, right. I mean that song is 10 plus years old, right? Right. But he had a brother from the last poets on it, first of all. So now that's a that's like two generations of art of black mm -hmm. music right there. Right. Mm -hmm. Talk about then we talk about gentrification. Gentrification is everywhere right now. Still, yeah. it's yeah. Yeah. like they, they just put an article out in the post that said DC has the most violent form of gentrification in the country. They mm -hmm. they called our gentrification a form of, of violence, bruh. Yeah, mm -hmm. think about that. Yeah. So when we using this book and we talking about common and what he's observing on the corner, it's like yeah, there are traditions and things that. That are that are corner related and that we grew up and are used to, and some of those things are being moved out the way, and some of those things mm -hmm. are, are they criminalizing our behavior now. So mm -hmm. it's like there's so many different ways you could go in that conversation, but we're mm -hmm. using the text as the springboard 
to have right. the conversation. And what happens is when you have the conversation, you get to know your kids, man. I'm going to just say this one quick thing, and I'm going to stop talking. Nice. I know <laughs> one time we did a class. We did one of those classes I was talking about, and we used Ghostface, right? All that I got is you. And I remember mm -hmm. the way we did every class is they would read the song first, and I would push play on the on the seat on the CD player. That's how old school that shit was. <laughs> we pushed the play on the CD. The kids would read along, right? And you know they following along because when it gets to that last word, you see the whole room turn the page. Mm -hmm. The whole shh. Yeah. And they still reading, right? Yeah. Song goes off. We start talking about it. I would never forget this shit, man. We standing in the room. I got like 60 kids in there. One kid that I noticed in the back corner, he's crying, like mm. full out crying, sitting mm. at the table. And I didn't want to call him out because I'm like, you know, there's a lot of kids in here. I don't want to put them on the spot. So I didn't say nothing. We did the whole hour. We went through the class. Class is over. He's about to leave. I'm like, yo, I pulled him to the side. I was like, yo, man, what happened? I know she was upset earlier. You all right? What's going on? He said, man, Mr. Ben, he said, look, I don't know who this ghost face dude is, but I feel like he grew up in my house. Mm. Wow. That, I'm, like, Damn. Crazy. I'm thinking about ghosts. He's talking about the roaches in the cereal box, sleeping six mm, to a yeah. bed. The kid was like, man, who is this dude? Mm -hmm. You know, and that's the first time I knew anything about that boy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? And so that's what I'm saying. It, the conversation in the community building is what comes out of integrating the hip hop into the education. It's not just we want to teach kids how to rap or we want to break down lyrics. It's like, no, nah, we're community building, but right. we're using this as our platform to do it. You know what I mean? And that's the that's the whole magic of it. I, and yeah. you know, I, I think I just want to. But going through this difficult stage, I find it hard to believe. While my old earth back, so many seats, but she's a old woman. I, I think. Yeah, I, Damn, and I, I think. To go in. <laughs> I, I think that that's the thing that we as we as educ not so much we as educators, but the foundation or the um with the institution, if you want to say, of schools have gotten away of being a foundation in the community. We are so test driven or test yeah. scores driven or assessment mm -hmm. driven. We have gotten, I mean, you know, we think about it regarding like schools, you know, you had after, you still have after, before and after school care, but it was a, it was a place in the community where, you know, I mean, it, it, it was, it was your home away from home. You know what I'm saying? Your friends were there, you know, you had the teacher that was a pain in the ass, but you know, she, she, you looked at her almost like a mother figure. Whereas now, like, we build relationships with our students because of our personalities. But the way the schools are set up now, it's almost set up, and y'all correct me if I'm wrong, because I've been out the classroom for a little while now, but it's almost set up as if, you know, you just come in, you don't, you're teaching, but your teacher turns towards a certain point of view or towards a certain standard to make sure that these kids are assessed a certain way where they're just like, they're not getting any, any food for thought. And then when you start to be creative, the first thing an administrator may say, that's not in the curriculum, or why are you doing that, or why are you doing this, or such yeah. such not on grade level. You got to give the grade level. And a lot of these kids, I mean, and you said it right, even when you came to Edison, you was like, I'm done with this. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm done with this. Why? Because there was no fulfillment in you. And I think that's one of the th issues that we have as far as um, as far as now, you know, within um, education. But I'm going to get off my horse because my man got something he want to say. Go ahead. So I, I had one last question for you guys. Um, 
I want to I want to ask you what's the greatest issue in urban education, and what do you feel is the best way to reach and empower urban youth? Mm. That's a good one. I know. Y'all need a minute? Y'all need a minute? All right, this, is, this is what we'll do. This is what we'll do. This is the Doc and Dust podcast. Don't try this at home. Tell us where they can find us, good brother. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. You can listen to us on iHeartRadio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and YouTube. Subscribe now. See, I told y'all I always get it right the second time. All right, so y'all had y'all, y'all had y'all 60 seconds to get it right. I don't care who goes first or who goes last, but y'all better drop it in them. Say this at the drop of a dime. Sound like Marlon Moore right there. Uh, you know, there you go. Right, you caught that. I, I, I would say, you know, basically what I was saying earlier, too, is just about respecting people's cultures. I always feel a big thing throughout education is we. I know when I grew up, I didn't learn a lot about history that didn't involve white people, unfortunately. I feel like they need to teach the great things that Africans did, the great things that Latinos did, the great things that Asians did, the great things that Arabs, Indians. If, if, you, if you taught more respect, you know, taught about the history and the res- and throughout the whole, not just urban, but the whole educational realm as a whole, if you taught people all the great things that all great people did, I think there'd be a lot more respect within within the races, and there'd be a lot more self-esteem. Because if I'm a if if I'm a young young black kid learning history, and all I'm learning about is Christopher Columbus, George Washington, Thomas Jefferson, but mm-hmm. you're not learning about the great you're not learning about Mansa Musa, you're not learning about uh, you know great things that were discovered in Africa and how it was the cradle of civilization. You teach you teach a second grade you know young black boy you know boy or girl about that, it's gonna build self-esteem. You know what I'm saying? It's mm-hmm. gonna say, look, I'm, I, I, I did that. My people did that. So that's my, my main thing is teaching, teaching throughout the, and, and I think if you taught the white kids or you know, the kids in the suburbs that, they're gonna have more respect for, for the black culture as a whole too. That's the whole thing, man. I, I don't know, man. I just feel like they, they need to teach more kids about just more than Western civilization. You know what I'm saying? Because there's a lot more stuff going on in the world that that I learned in college that I didn't learn, or even throughout my own studies that I didn't learn in high school. I didn't learn in elementary school, so they're not teaching kids uh, a lot of that. So that that's my big thing. Hey Ash, before you go, I want to ask Sess a question. Sess, now you made a, a lot of good points, and I'm gonna put you on, kind of put you on the spot. As okay. an educator, do you teach those things? I know you deal with preschool kids, but I guess do you try to incorporate some of those things in your classroom? Well, 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 I say, I say I'm lucky I'm a preschool teacher because I don't know if I was fifth grade, sixth grade, and they made me teach about Christopher Columbus. Uh-huh. I, I don't know if I'd get in trouble for teaching the truth. You know what I'm saying? Like, I wouldn't, gotcha. I would, I, so what I do is, I mean, like I said, I, I do more through music and, you know, I have books. I'll try to get books about like, say, you know, picture books about different uh, black inventions, or even okay. if, it's, if I have Latino kids, I get a book about like Roberto Clemente, let's just say, or mm-hmm. I, you know, I had a girl who's from uh, Bangladesh in my class, and I used to play like Bangladesh uh, music during the class. Mm-hmm. You know, I, whatever, whatever 
culture the kids are in my class, I'm okay. gonna do stuff to promote that. You know what I'm saying? That's yeah, because you, you can't you can't tell no preschools Columbus was a Columbus was a mass murderer. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> on the day off, they be like, "Mommy, he was a mass murderer. We got the day off of school." You know what I'm saying? But, now, but, but, but but the good thing is because I'm a preschool teacher, we really don't touch on that. So gotcha. that's the good thing. I don't okay. we don't we don't talk about Columbus at all. So I'm right, that's why okay. I said I'm happy. If I was like a fifth grade teacher, I might get in trouble because I'm going to be having these kids learn about genocide and all this stuff. And they're going to, you know, well, you, know you know, it's, it's a, and one of the things I learned, and Ash, I'll let you go real quick. One of the things I learned, it's like, um, you know, putting the medicine inside the candy. That's what I used to do when I was a science teacher, when I taught science. Like, you know, Black History Month, they looked at me, you know, uh, the last few schools, the last school I was at. I was like, nah, we're going to do this all the regular. So I taught the Black inventors. I taught them who created the air conditioner and the ice cream mm -hmm. cone in the hairbrush, in the broom, you know saying things that I at you way before. So when it came time for Black History Month, it was like, we just going over it, y'all doing y'all products, and then we gonna go into, you know, who created the World Wide Web, Philip Emma Quali, and things of that nature. So it wasn't just a one point moment type of thing. But Ash, I want you to go, I want you to feed off of that. Um, no, I, I, I agree, man. I think, uh, I don't know if there is, there's no one magic bullet or one there's multiple things wrong with urban education, you know what I mean? Um, but you know, a, a big a big chunk of, so I'm right, right now I'm writing a book uh, that talks about this concept that I call rhythm. And rhythm is an acronym for respect, humility, youthfulness, timing, honesty, and mastery. And mm -hmm. it's these things that I believe teachers or anybody that's in a public servant capacity, anybody in service to our young people and communities, they need to have these principles, these things, these mindsets in order to be effective because what's happening is there's a disconnect in most classrooms right now. Mm -hmm. you, got, um, you got teachers who are disconnected from the students that they're teaching and not just racially or you know, it's culturally, it's socioeconomically, it's politically, you know, um, when you look at like Teach for America, and I'm not hating on Teach for America, but when you look at these programs like that, they just kind of deploy these people into the schools that are inexperienced. They don't know anything about the communities. They're just thrown in, like yeah. literally like how, how army, how a, a, a soldier gets thrown into Rwanda or some, some third world country, like, or Peace Corps type work, like go over there and build a school for these poor kids. Like that's how, that's a lot of the mentality that a lot of these new young teachers are coming into. The, the, the teacher profession is like 80% white women, mm -hmm. um, under 40, you know, it's just a lot. It's a lot that we got to navigate. So um, my, my thing is before we talk about the achievement gap, we got to bridge these the socioeconomic gap, the cultural gap. Um, and that's not just white teachers with black students. That's black teachers, too, yeah. with black students. Yeah. You know what I mean? So it's changing how we speak to them, how we look at them, how we right. communicate, how we uh, build community, how we build relationships. How, how do we teach things that matter? You know, when we were in school, this is the never-ending question. Since school has been around, why do I have to learn this? Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. yeah. And so we got to start thinking about how we're going to answer that question. COVID has hit. Everything has changed. Everything we've ever learned in our master's programs, teaching prep programs, throw that shit out the window. Now we got to start all over. We have to learn how to work with these kids virtually. We got to learn. And it's not just we got to learn virtual until we can get back face to face. 
even when we get back face to face, you're gonna have to still incorporate virtual. You're gonna have to still look at this thing in a whole different way. And what are we really doing in a mm. six, seven, eight hour school day? What are we really teaching? What are we, what's the point? You know what I mean? And if we can't really answer that question, man, the jig is up. The kids don't, mm. education's not compulsory like people think it is. Like, right. technically, it's fucking voluntary. We're lucky that they show up. Like, yeah. keep it a beam. <laughs> so, while you're here, how are we going to make it worth your while? Like, I got this list that I've been compiling for the last year and a half, and I got inspired because my son, he just graduated, but when he was in his senior year, he was having a hard time, bro. Like, mm. a hard time. And it was just to the point where he was like, look, man, I just want to work and get on with it. Like, y'all wasting my time. I'm sitting here learning about shit that don't even matter. And then when COVID hit, it was like, yo, we're in an apocalypse and you asking me about the first chapter of Hamlet. Like, I don't care about Hamlet right now. Like, I don't care about that. So he, he inspired me, man, and I started compiling this list of 100 things that I believe every, every young adult should know. And when I compiled that list, man, to be honest, maybe only 20% of this stuff is taught in school. Mm. And it really made me think like, like, and I say that because like, even when I asked my kids, when I, I tried it on my own children, the hundred lists, mm. right? Mm. I'm asking them stuff like, um, name the last three mayors of your city. Name mm -hmm. 10 countries in Africa. Yeah. Name five countries in Europe. Mm. Name, um, you know, how many, how many ounces make a pound? How many cups make four? Like basic stuff, right? 12 mm -hmm. times 12. Like, do you know your multiplication chart one through 12? You know how many kids don't know that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Bruh, we had to learn that. We had to memorize that. Right? We got kids who don't know the difference between a city and a state. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Real talk. Stuff yeah. like that. It's like name the seven continents. Name, um, mm -hmm. name, name, name 10 U.S. presidents. Do you have a checking account? Can you balance a budget? Do you know how? Mm -hmm. Do you have an email address? Basic stuff, bro. You know what? You, you know, know what, Ash? Don't have that. Yeah, you know, mm -hmm. Ash. Though I'm gonna say this, and 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 I'm gonna say this, not to play devil's advocate, and I know, and I I agree with you, but also part of that is it's also on the parents, but also when the parents don't know, the kids don't know. If the and I'm not saying necessarily that if the parents aren't educated. But if they don't know, and, and I think Rod had talked about this a few episodes ago, and one time we talked about it, you know, it's almost, it's a vicious cycle. It Whereas is. if the parent isn't educated a certain way, then the children, like, they want better for their children, but they don't know. I mean, how many times have we seen parents, mostly, you know, brown and black women, Latino women, they come up to the school, they ready to raise hell. Not because necessarily their child, maybe their child was done wrong, but they're kind of bringing their own feelings and how they view their experience and they're putting on it. Oh, I'm gonna come up to that school tomorrow and we're gonna see, you know what I mean? Sometimes I heard that, <laughs> oh, who is you? Oh, well, I don't take that from his father. I ain't gonna take it, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And I don't wanna point, I get I it, I get it. Picture, but I'm just saying, you know, almost as another ploy, like, like your son had the withdrawal to understand, like, you know, being educated by his father, his, his mother, whatever. Listen, this shit is for the birds. Like you said, we've all had that moment, even probably in college, like we look back on it, this shit was for the birds. We went to college because we thought that was a better route. But 
you know, it, it, but a lot of times it does something else. There's, there's two things to that. So me uh -huh. as an educator, you know, I'm sending my child to school thinking they got it. Uh -huh. I'm thinking he's going, he's in good yeah. hands. Yeah. I'm not knowing that they in there bull jiving every day. Yeah, yeah. Until, it, until the shit hit the fan. You know what yeah. I mean? And then on the other side, you got parents, like you said, the parents that they may have had a bad, an adverse situation in school themselves. And so naturally, that's going to carry over. Yeah. And their children. But the thing is, they were wrong. Those parents were, were probably dealt with educational neglect. They were, they were bull jived too. You know what I'm saying? They went yeah. through bullshit when they yeah. were in school. So I like they, the way you say education neglect. I like that. Neglect. It's like they not. Yeah. It's like it, it is neglect when you pass somebody on and on every year, and you yeah. got kids graduating twelfth grade that can't read. That's yeah. educational neglect. I like that. Mm -hmm. And that's and, like and that. the system allows you to do it. Yeah. You can put hands on a kid. Get put out of that school, and guess what? Because of the union, you just go to another school. You don't get fired. Just don't put your hands on the kid at the new school. Right. You see what I mean? Right. So we recycle yeah. in poor quality teachers who may have taught these kids' parents and uncles and brothers and cousins before. So it's that that's what that is naturally what's gonna happen. I remember my first year teaching, I used to be in the in the middle of the hood, man. I mean, parents used to walk over there in bonnets and pajamas and shit at eight in the morning. You know what I mean? Yep. Right. Right. I remember being like, damn, that's that's wild. What is that? But that's because I was a new teacher. I didn't know the situation. I didn't understand the whole context of it all. But you're dealing with parents who who have also gone through some type of educational neglect. And that's why that problem is just being compounded, man. And we, as educators, we have to change the way we're looking at this. We, we got to look at these parents as allies, not people that we report to and say, oh, your kid was acting up today or your kid was doing good today. Or we got dues is due next Friday. Don't forget to pay the dues. It needs to be a community thing where it's like, right. tell me about your kid. What does he like? What kinds of yeah. shit is he into? Right. I'm going to ask him too. But as a parent, let, help me understand your kid. Like now that we're virtual, teachers are going to have to do that. Right. There's no more sliding under the radar. The kid that just sit in the corner, don't never raise his hand, just fill out the shit and do the bare minimum. Now everybody is a box. Everybody got their own little box on Zoom. I can see all of y'all. You know what mm -hmm. I'm saying? And right. we have to learn how to build relationships. And if we don't do that, we are just spinning our wheels, man. And I, I, I see how all of the all the teachers I know that have they gets to a point where we all come to a certain consciousness level where it's like, yo, I either have to stay in here and keep bull jiving and just get a mm -hmm. check. Right. Well, I gotta get the fuck up out of here because yeah. this is not yeah. working. And that and that's what's and that's and what's happening. Service. Yeah, you and that's what's happening. That's what's happening. Um, you know, especially with COVID, a lot of people are leaving yeah. the field. I yeah. don't want to be rude, Asha, cut you off, but we on we we on a, a time constraint. Uh Big Rod, let's go. Let's pick their brains, brother. Let's pick their brains. <laughs> All right, listen up. So we about to get out of here because, you know, we can sit here and talk all night and, you know, people got stuff to do. So I want to introduce a new segment to the show before we get to the last segment. It's a segment called Pick Your Brain. It goes like this. I'm going to ask you a random question. You either answer the question first thing comes to mind. If you don't want to answer, just say pass. Y'all got it? <laughs> yeah, it's real simple. Y'all ain't real get simple. no money for it. Y'all ain't get no money for it. <laughs> There's no prize at the end? No, no sir. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I got a box. Hold on. I, I might have to see y'all. I got a box of, of uh, 
cheese it out of my man Stud Dookie. You know what I'm saying? This is what we used to eat in college. You know what I'm saying? I see you on a brand new box of cheeses. All right, go ahead, Rob. All right, here we go. First question. What's the best hip-hop movie ever? Belly. He said, I said Belly. Oh, I'm surprised you said that. Okay. Go ahead. For me, uh, I might say Paid in Full. Can Paid if it's Paid in Full count as a hip-hop movie? Or is that more? Yeah. I mean... Do do we go it's wrong? It's all relative. It's all relative. I mean, you go ahead. Right. I'm not going to answer. I'm going to let y'all answer. Uh, well, I'll let the guests answer because I was going to say crush group. Okay. 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 Worst okay. subject in school. What was your worst subject in school? Math. Uh, maybe science. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. Who is your greatest inspiration? I'll let, I ask you want to answer that first? Oh, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, say, I'll say three. It will be my father, Malcolm X, and Bruce Lee. Those are the, Rest those in are peace. The, yeah, okay. yeah, all three of them. <laughs> okay. I don't know, man. I'm gonna say my kids. That's what I would have said. Okay. Greatest rap diss song ever. Ooh. Oh. My mine personally is is the bitch in you by Common. That that was my favorite. Oh. That was my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. That was a good one. I'm gonna rock with that one for right now. I like that. <laughs> Who would you that say is the who would you say is the best former president to get us through 2020? The best what? Former president. To get us through? Yes. None of them. Motherfuckers got us in this mess already. <laughs> I got to agree with him, man. We, we, we need some new, we need some we need something new because it, it ain't working. Yo, I know this is really answer. This, this is going to be for another show, but yo, November, man, we are fucked, man. What are we going to do? <laughs> I was just having that conversation yeah. earlier. I was going to say, save that thought. Save that thought. We'll, 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 know, we'll have know, you back on for a quick panel. You know what I'm saying? Save that thought. Save that thought. Go yeah, ahead, Rob. Definitely. Go All right. What, what was the hardest age group you had to work with? Middle school. Oh, I love uh, middle was school. That, 10 to 13. 10 to yeah, 13. Yeah. I love middle school, yo. I, I, I would say I, I worked the after school program with, with third graders, man. They drove me crazy, man. I'm not gonna lie. That was my that was my most challenging. <laughs> <laughs> Best rapper did all I. Ooh. They on my shirt. They on my shirt. They on my shirt. They on my shirt. Can, can I give my top five or do I just do number one? Number one. Man, my, my my number one is Hove, man. I gotta say, I'm 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 well balanced. They always go to Hove. They always go to Hove with their Trump card. Here they go. Here they go. They forget about the God. Well, my number two is Black Thought. If I gotta say that, I gotta throw him in there, man. Black Thought is number two. Respect. <laughs> Mind changes, man. Day to day, bro. I don't know. Sometimes, I'm, sometimes I'm Nas. Sometimes I'm not. <laughs> I feel you. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I'll go with Nas for the day. Thank you. Okay. <laughs> if you could meet any artist and sit down and have a conversation with them, who would it be? Living or dead. Or living or dead. It don't matter. Man, so many, man. I know, that's tough. Um, 
Thelonious Monk. Yo, that's I was just I, thinking that. That's who I was. Yo, like. you my dog. I was just thinking that. I was that's just I like thinking Thelonious Monk. If I had to pick one, it'd be him. Yo, that's, that's dope. I was that's just thinking that's that. a good answer. I said Prince I, of Thelonious Monk. My fault, says I apologize. No, no, my, my mine would be just because I'm a big big fan of, of, of the group and plus the the what what he's about. I, I would say the RZA, man. I, I want to sit down and chop mm, with the Rizzo. Okay. All right. Yeah, yeah, talk yeah. About, talk talk about some uh, some Taoism and Buddhism and and, and some, yeah. some kung fu flicks. I'm sure he'd be an interesting conversation too. Yeah, yeah. All right, all right. All right last question: If you could only be affiliated with one for the rest of your life, would it be hip hop or teaching and education or being affiliated with education? If affiliated, you affiliate with one for the rest of your life, which one would you choose? That's hard, man. <laughs> Ooh, because I feel it's but they're both in me. You know what I'm saying? They're both in my blood, so it's mm -hmm. right. It's tough. It's tough to say, man. I, I would say education, but clearly I'm going to cheat because I'm hip hop. <laughs> yeah, that, I would have to say the same thing, man. Because it's, I, I, you know, I can't, I couldn't see my life without hip hop. I couldn't yeah, see my life yeah, without it. So. Yeah. But I love, I couldn't see my life without making a difference with the youth, too. So it's, it's tough, man. That's, yeah. Yeah. That's, that's, that's like a you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't question, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. Wow. Hey, well, you know, I you know, I respect the honesty. I appreciate it. I, I personally would have chose hip hop because, <laughs> like y'all, I need my hip hop and I would have had to figure out a way to cheat and still be, and still be a part of education. But we're going to move into the last segment. Go ahead, Reef. Yeah, so listen, we uh, we have this segment on our show. Um, and it's, as you know, uh, on March 9th, the greatest, one of the greatest rappers of all time died, my number two. Um, but we have this segment on the show where we call I Got a Story to Tell. You could just tell us a story either based upon your educational experience, based upon your accolades. It could be anything that you want to share with us. You know, we here at the Dog and Dunks, we believe in being raw, relevant, and real. You know what I'm saying? Hence the story. I got a story to tell. If you know the story, I got a story to tell. You can hear it. Uh, Fat Joe lit it at the cat. I lit the, lit the cat out the bat who the story was about, but we're not going to even go there. So if you got a story <laughs> that you want to share real quick on the Dog and Dunks podcast, uh, you know, share your story. Um, you know, we let our guests go first. So either one of you guys can I, I, I got two. I got one. I I got two good ones. I I just pick one. I guess. Um, um, I got a Boondock story or a Cornell West story. Okay. Oh, you got to tell both. <laughs> uh, the Boondocks one real quick. Um, when I did the theme song for the show, so I um I gave Aaron my mixtape. I think it was the same one I gave this guy that I started the books with, to be honest. It was around that same time. And I gave him the mixtape. Aaron called me on the phone. He was like, man, this is fire. I'm, I want you to do the theme song. I'm going to send you the beat. I'm like, all right, bet. He told me this like a couple years prior, but, you know, he had to work it out, get the contracts and all that, whatever. So we're at this crossroads now where he's like, yo, it's time. The show is happening. I'm going to send you the beat. He said, yo, I want you to make it 30 seconds long. Don't curse. I mean, yeah, don't say don't say boondocks or any characters in the show. And I want you to make it as black as you could possibly make it. And he hung up the phone. This is what he said on the Damn. phone. I hung up the 
So I'm like, damn. And I went and I started trying to think about, like, how can I write the blackest thing I could ever write? You know what I mean? And I started writing it. And I wrote a verse. I wrote I wrote the song and I recorded it. I sent it to him on email. He called me. Like, 10 minutes later, he was like, yo, it's cool, but it ain't the one, man. You got to go back in there and do another one for me. So I'm like, all right. Go back, do a second one, send it to him. He's like, Ash, man, you so close, man. You so close, but this ain't it. Mm. Now I'm like, now my ego is hurt a little bit. Like, <laughs> man, what you talking about? These fire bars I'm giving you. <laughs> I'll do a third one, send it to him. He like, nah, nah, bro, nah. You almost there. He said, I'm sorry I can't give you no more details. And mind you, I hadn't seen anything. I hadn't seen no animation, no clips, no nothing. I'm just shooting in the dark, right? off these three things, make it 30 seconds, don't say no characters, and make it as black as you can make it. Right. So mm. I sent him a fourth one, a fifth one, a sixth one. He says no to all of them, right? What? So there's six other versions of the theme song that are just sitting downstairs in the basement right now. I was going to say, you still got them? Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah I still got them. <laughs> and, uh, artifacts, man. And then, <laughs> so then the seventh one, it was like a Sunday morning. I had my son with me, he might've been like three at the time. Took him to the studio with me. I sat him on the couch. I looked at the engineer. I said, look, man, I'm going to spit this one, and we're going to send it to him. If he doesn't take this one, mm. I quit. All right, I'm not doing no more. <laughs> so I go in there, and I lay that one. I am the stone that the builder refused, and I sent it to him. He, I just remember his express Man, he called me back, like, maybe five minutes after I sent it. He was like, nigga, this is the one. This is the one. <laughs> And I was just so happy that he was happy. Plus, I already said I wasn't doing no more of them. So I was <laughs> right, <happy>. right. <laughs> I mean, it was the one, you know what I mean? And um, quick Cornell West story, real quick. I, I When I had the help books, I went to go mm. see Raheem. Raheem Devon called me to come to the studio. Mm. I'm in D.C. He's in Jersey. Mm. I had just done a show in Richmond. I got some money, but I had a check. I didn't have cash. I had a mm. check. And I really only had about $40 to my name, like in my pocket, cash liquid. Right. Mm. This check though was pending and I don't even know how that bullshit is. So yeah. Raheem calls me, he's like, yo, I need you to come to Jersey. I'm in the studio, I got Cornell West with me all day. He's narrating my album. I'm like, what? Oh, Are you wow. fucking kidding me? He's like, yeah, you gotta come right now. Ash, I need you to come right now. Man, I, I left the house, I got a zip car. You know the zip car? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I knew I didn't have to pay for gas, right? right? So I got a zip car. I said, fuck it. I drove to Jersey in this zip car, mm. paid my tolls. Now I'm paying tolls to get to Jersey, right? Going <laughs> in and all, off the turf, like all that shit. Don't you know when I got to the destination, when I got the Raheem spot, the money that I gave the man, the lady at the booth was like literally my last of my little $40. I mm. gave it to her and went into this little thing, got to this little alcove, got to Raheem, and now I'm standing in the house, meeting Cornell West, kicking it with Raheem, but in my mind, I'm like, yo, I'm not gonna be able to get back get home. home. Yeah. <laughs> $100 or something, I'm gonna need some money. Right. And I didn't yeah. wanna ask, I felt embarrassed to ask, yeah. you know what I'm saying? And so, um, actually, I didn't, I, I mean, the little bit of money I had, I didn't really have to spend it, because you know, it's not toes going up, it's when you coming back. So I'm like, right. I need to get money up. So. I do the session, I record the song, I'm sitting there tripping like, yo, Cornell West is right here, just kicking right. it. 
I could not believe it, right? Right. Raheem was like, yo, show them help books you got. I show Cornell West my books. I'm like, yo, mm -hmm. brother, I got these books, blah, 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 blah. I'm working on da, da, da. He's looking at the books. He's like, this is amazing. This mm. is awesome. I was like, yo, can I take a quick video of you promoting the book? He held the book up, did the little drop, like real cool, right? Right. He, he hands me the book back. He goes, brother, I'm not trying to stun on you or nothing. He started reaching in his pocket. He said, I ain't trying to stun <laughs> on you or nothing, man. He said, but I just want to thank you for doing what you do. Peeled off two 20s and mm. gave it to him. Mm. And he was like, I just want to say thank you, man, for what you're doing. Man, mm. he didn't know that was all the money yeah. I had. That's a blessing, you know? <laughs> That's and what's up. Barely got me back home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I'll never forget that shit, man. He's always my hero for that, man. And he That's didn't, what's up. And he didn't know. Or right, did right. he know? I don't know. Who knows? Right. It's one of the things, man. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's dope. That's, that's what's up. I did too, but my bad. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. You got a, you got a quick story you want to tell to the people? I, I, I'll tell, uh, can, can I tell two real quick? There, yeah, there, yeah, go two. ahead. Everybody tell it too. Go ahead. <laughs> the, the first one's a little, it's funny and deals with it with a, with a, with a semi-celebrity, I guess. My first year teaching in Patterson, Reef will tell you I, I, I'm a Seahawks fan from, from 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 the early years, from back in the in the days. Steve Largent. St Steve Largent days. So I dealt with a lot of terrible teams. So my first year teaching in Patterson we, was the year we made it to the Super Bowl. So unfortunately, well, this is a good thing, but my daughter was born the same year that we were in the Super Bowl in Giants Stadium. So unfortunately, I couldn't afford to go to the game. So I was celebrating at home. Got to school like I, I had my kids amped up. We were doing like Super Bowl parties. We do. I had them kicking field goals in the auditorium. We were doing votes. We, you know, kids were amped up. And and of course we won. We destroyed them and I, uh, destroyed the Broncos. I don't know if you guys know, but Mike Adams from Patterson was playing on the Broncos that year. So the day after the Super Bowl, he came up to the school to come into people's classes. He came, he didn't make it to my class till the end of the day. So all the kids were gone. I'm putting on my coat. I put on my Seahawks scully. He, he's walking around with like a cop. He sees me. He's like, yo, is this fucking guy serious? Like he, he thought I was doing it to like, to like, to like, you know, like to, to troll him. You know what I'm saying? He thought I was being, yeah, yeah, yeah. no, I'm not yeah. bad, man. I'm, I'm a Seahawks fan. I, you know, I appreciate your game. He thought I was just doing it to mess with him, man. So I thought, I thought that was pretty, pretty funny. He would have never came to your class. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> but, my, but, but my one in, inspirational story, man, like, I don't know, as educators, you, you guys are probably all familiar with Donors Choose, but I know once, uh, the first mm -hmm. time I used Donors Choose, I, I created a mindfulness center in my class, like a little meditation. Like every, every preschool class has something called a cozy center, but I changed it to a mindfulness center. I had pictures of like That's different, okay. dif different, different cultures meditating. I had like a Latino girl, like a little baby Shaolin monk and like, you know, mm -hmm. kid, kids from Africa meditating and then just to show them in all different emotional pictures. So, and I had like a, a pillow, you know, a pillow that I got and a nice rug and all, all types of like calming stuff. And it was just cool to see because like I had this one little, I remember, remember, I could picture him in my head right now. Little boy, he was cool, but like he had a lot of stuff going on at home. So when he came in, he was angry, man. He was, he was angry at the world. And, and, and I have a picture that I still have of him where he's, you would think he was like the Dalai Lama the way he was sitting and breathing and. When I took a picture, I was like, yo, this, this is really making a difference. You know, I hope it made a difference with him. Like, I hope that's something that he carries with him to the older grades. I mean, that's that's the one thing I love about pre-K is I'm hoping that I'm setting a foundation where, where they're going to love school and, and know how to act and 
and, and know how to regulate their emotions. So when they're in second, third grade and they get mad, they're not, you know, maybe they, they have those tools that I taught them. You know what I'm saying? So that's the one. You from Patterson? Yeah, I think, I actually think you spoke at my school, man. Did you I was about to e- say, man. Oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> you, spoke, you spoke at EWK last year, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I remember. I remember yeah. you, man. I was going to yeah, it's a small world. Small world. Six degrees. Yeah. See, this is what we degrees. do at the Dr. Duff podcast. This is what we do at the Dr. Duff podcast. <laughs> I was, was going to bring it up at the end, but yeah, I was like, yeah, this this, this yeah, is the Some of my favorite people ever are from Patterson. I just realized that. I did not know that. There's a lot of like key people from Patterson, New Jersey, man. Yeah. Well, listen, I. I was gonna say it, yo, and I, you know, you don't let the cat out the bag. Both of y'all, y'all need to connect, man. Y'all need to yeah, connect. I think both of y'all like like like-minded individuals. I mean, I'm gonna get like you said. I'm gonna get a commission. I'm gonna I'm gonna steal that idea for the books. <laughs> Me and Ryan will be making Doctor Dunk's books. But you know what I'm saying? Okay. I think I think y'all definitely of like-minded, and I know, like I say, you know, you you guys have that that type of uh uh you know vibe. Or whatever the case may be. But that's our second part. I got a story to tell. We always pay homage to the to the late great notorious big B.I.G. We always pay late uh, great to all our hip hop artists. So with that being said, man, you know, we um we definitely thank y'all for coming on. Um I mean I mean we could talk for hours. We always try to say, even uh Rob was getting on me earlier. It was saying, man, we, we talk too much. I'm like, bro, this is where the conversation goes. And see, look, look where the conversation took us. You know what I'm saying? It, it was playing. So, but we thank, we definitely thank you for coming on. Uh, Ash was on CP time. You know what I'm saying? But you know, we appreciate the good brother for definitely coming through. And Ash, I did wanna, I did wanna touch on the Bulldogs thing, but you definitely touched on it. Um, are you gonna be doing? Are they gonna still use the same intro for the uh, HBO Max season? Yeah, I think so. You know, it's okay. funny. I haven't spoken to Aaron about it, but okay. HBO is putting ads out like it is going to happen. Right, like, yeah. So, yeah, oh. listen, I got the DVD. I got I all do the too. seasons. I mean, mm-hmm. like, I watch it. Whenever it comes, yo, listen, my favorite episode is I sent Aaron a message, though. I told him, don't you, uh, don't you mess this up like power and try to switch the theme song up. You saw yeah. what happened. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah. 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 Yep. Yeah. Nah, nah. He, listen, if, if it ain't don't, broke, don't, don't fix it. songs on the yeah. intro. You got to let me still do it. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? yeah. If, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So, right. I mean, with that being said, Rod, you got anything you want to say to the guests and to the people before we Of course. Listen, fellas, I appreciate y'all. You you have no idea how much I appreciate, appreciate y'all doing this episode. Seth, I appreciate you being flexible to come on early. Ash, I appreciate you not giving up when you had the technical difficulties. Um, I think this was a great conversation. I definitely think y'all two should connect. Sess, I'm getting the books. Um, um, I, I need to highlight you too about about the publishing and all that. But I, you know, I do that off the record. Ash, I definitely want to talk to you about um, possibly getting the help program and my charter school network and how you want to, you know, approach that because yeah. I think. It'll, it'll definitely be a big help. But and all, you know, we at the Doc and Dust podcast, we appreciate y'all. Um, I think you gave the listeners some something great to to, to work with and moving forward. Um, I know it's late. Tell your families. I said thank you. And, uh, you know, it's all good. Well, all right. On that note, yeah, on that note, I want to say uh, happy birthday to my... Wait, 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 wait. My fault, my fault, my fault. What? Real quick, Sess, you gotta drop, you gotta do a plug for your book because oh, we yeah, never, yeah, we yeah, never yeah, did that. Yeah, 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 y
It's called yeah. it's called a uh, contrary to, to, to Sharif messing it up a little bit, it's Max the Magnets, Magnificent Journey, a shift from negative to positive. You know, it's uh, it's available on Amazon. You can follow me on uh, Facebook at MindWrite and Write is spelled W-R-I-T-E, MindWrite Publishing. Uh, you can check the website out, mindwritepublishing.com, or you can follow uh, me on Instagram at, uh, at Max underscore uh, the Magnet. At Max, no, Max underscore the underscore Magnet. So yeah, yeah, just definitely, if you go to Amazon, just type in Max the Magnet, you, you'll find it. It's a dope book, man. I mean, it's, I'm getting great reviews from everybody that copped it, and I'm very Dude, humbled. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm humbled at, at, the, at the support it's receiving so far. And I appreciate you guys having me on, too. Thank you so much, man. It means Thank the you. world to me. Yeah, beautiful, yeah. man. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Ash, you want to do a drop for help real quick? Yeah. Uh, so uh, just check out our website. It's Gorilla Arts, G-U-E-R-I-L-L-A-Arts.com. You go there, you can see all of the programming we're doing and the bookstore that features the help books and everything. And we're also bringing in other books from other authors that have like a culturally responsive bookstore. So definitely, I'm going to be hollering at you, bro, to see how we can at least put the link in our store to go to your Amazon link. Beautiful. Nice. Just share that. That's what's up. Because that's what we need. We need to keep pushing that stuff out. But that's that's where I'm at. On at, on Twitter, I'm at Asheru, A-S-H-E-R-U. And on Instagram, is King Asheru underscore G-A, Gorilla Arts. All right? And uh, thank you all so much. I really appreciate it. Um, we, you know, we didn't talk about it today, but... Um, I got these learning pods and things that are coming up right now, and um, I would love to share that more info with you when it's when it's happening. But we're creating these COVID-free, uh, I mean, COVID-responsive uh, learning hubs for schools mm, right okay. now. Okay. You see, and um, we're trying to create something different, man, and, and revolutionize mm. how we do it, teaching and learning, man. So I think all of this is we've all been prepared for the time right now, man, to do exactly yeah. what we're doing, man. So thank y'all so much. Definitely. definitely. Thank you. Definitely. Thank you. Listen, quick shout out to uh, our super producer. Today's her wedding anniversary. Uh, also, we wanted to give a shout out to her father, uh, Pastor, Pastor Get Right, you know what I'm saying, in Arizona, because he'd be like, get your, he's like, Get Right. He said in Spanish, though. I can't speak a lick of Spanish. But listen, this is the Dog and Dust podcast. Uh, super producer, we love you. You know what I'm saying? Peace and blessings to everybody. Ash says, much love, y'all. Much love, much love, much love. Much and love. we out. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king. Knowledge is king.